is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms. And remember what got you here. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch because we know... When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing. It's down to the wire with, with, with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Oh, Petey! Oh, Petey! On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country, this is down to the wire. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host and confidant, Mr. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can reach us and go into our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You can call us at 631-965-4990. Again, the number is 631-965-4990. Download our app, ladies and gentlemen. How you do this? You go to the iOS, which is Apple. And you put in WWSRN. Again, it's WWSRN on, obviously, Apple. And then on Android, you go to Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Again, it's Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Guys, all you have to do is download the app. You can follow our shows. You can listen to our shows live. You can watch our shows live. You can read our articles. All the stuff that we're going to be doing in the new year in 2021. All the events. All the possibilities that you can come and meet us or win some prizes or uh, meet some of these athletes that we're going to be doing events with in the new year. Hopefully, hopefully this COVID-19 is going to completely fall flat on its face. Hopefully. But all in all, I'm very happy to be here. Speedy Petey, what's going on? Hope hope you had a good holiday, man. Hope everyone listening had a great holiday. Uh, it, was a, it was a weird one for me. Our, our power went out right on Christmas Eve night into, into Christmas Day. So that was Did definitely- it snow? Is that why? Huh? Did it snow? Yes, it definitely it snowed. It was raining. It was giant wind gusts. Well, that's why you lost. Uh, that's why you lost all the electricity. That's what yeah. usually happens when it rains. It's windy. There's gusts, uh, especially in Connecticut, by the water. That's going to cause that. Yep. And yeah, so we lost it for about probably 13, 14 hours. It came back right in the afternoon on Christmas, luckily. But uh, it was it was just very weird. But we enjoyed it. The rest of the holiday was great, and it's great to see my family again, which is awesome. And we had a we had a lot of fun on Christmas, like we normally do. I'm sure you did. But I will say this: Merry Christmas to all. I hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas, their holidays. New Year's is right around the corner. It's this week, and then we start the new year, 2021, and hopefully it's better than what we have seen in 2020 because I have been absolutely um, all over the place with what's going on in sports, what's going on in the world, uh, new president, new everything. Everything is new. Um, supposedly, we're going to get $2,000 from the president. We'll see with this whole stimulus uh, check. We don't know what's going to happen with it, but 
hopefully, all in all, everything is going to be moved forward, not backwards. I'm very happy to be here, as you heard. Uh, today, uh, we have a great show lined up for you. Um, at 6.30, we'll be talking to Wisconsin three-star recruit. I love this kid. Absolutely love this kid. Al Ashford, uh, Wisconsin recruit. I think this kid is going to be a star over there, Wisconsin. I think he's going to be a great player and hopefully a future NFL player, a good buddy of ours, and um, a great, great interview. If you guys love information, having a little fun, just personality-wise, well, this interview is going to be fun. We had a lot of fun last time we had him on. Uh, he was in his car enjoying himself, telling us a little bit about his background and, and his coaching ability. So uh, we're going to have him on. We're very happy. Shout out to Jillian for getting him back on. Um, but I do want to get into the NFL season in week 16, and why not start the whole conversation about the New York Jets? Now. A lot of Jet fans out there are absolutely appalled about how good the Jets have played the last two weeks. They beat uh, probably one of the hottest teams in, in football in the Rams last week, one of the best defenses. And throughout the last five weeks, besides this week, last week and this week, the Rams offense was one of the best in the league as well. And the Jets completely shut down a great defense. Aaron Donald could not get to Sam Donald, maybe because it was because of Makai Beckham. They can run the ball against this Rams defense. And they and actually, Sam Donald made some plays in the open field, which you haven't seen all season long, maybe because of injury, maybe because Adam Gase is just a moron. Who knows? But yesterday, a lot of Jeff fans thought there was a no-brain losing opportunity against this Cleveland Brown team that was fighting to get themselves into the playoffs and clinch a playoff spot if they won yesterday. And with the COVID-19 situation, uh, the Browns losing two linebackers, starting linebackers, and lost all four starting wide receivers. And they just, everybody thought they were going to fall flat on their face. But this team, the Browns, are that talented with the tight ends that they have. We've been talking about it over and over again. They've got three or four tight ends in the, right now on the team that could probably start for any other team in the NFL. So yesterday, even losing their wide receivers, they still had arguably one of the best running games in football in Chubb. They had Hunt. They had all these weapons. And, they're, and yes, they lost two offensive linemen. They did. They lost their guard and their starting left tackle. This is still a very talented team on the field. And the Browns, which everybody expected to be more talented and, and more thorough going into the game against the New York Jets, completely laid up a goose egg. Now, do you blame the New York Jets that they played hard and played tough the last two weeks? The answer is no. No team, no fan should sit here today and say, well, we should have just lost out this season so we can get a generational type of talent like Trevor Lawrence. Because even me, as a Jet fan, as much as I love the Jets and as much as I love Trevor Lawrence, I do not wish to see my team go 0-16 throughout the season. I do not want to sit there knowing that my team had a chance to win not one, not two, not three, not four, but five games this year because of bad coaching in any kind of way, defense, offense, and special teams, they lost. Yesterday, they played a hard-nosed game. Their defense played well, even without Quinn Williams. Their offensive line played very well, just like they played very well against the Rams. 
and they can run the ball. I don't know what Frank Gore is eating. I don't know what he takes. I don't know what pills he takes, vitamins he takes, whatever junk food he takes. But when he gets on the field, he dominates. And I know 60 yards, 50 yards, whatever he ran. I, I think Frank Gore had 48 yards yesterday. 14 carries for 48 yards. It's still pretty damn amazing that a 38-year-old is running all over the field and dominating the line of scrimmage when they need him to. And Sam Donald was not great yesterday. 16 for 32, 175 yards, two touchdowns. But I will say this, he made plays when he needed to. Jameson Crowder threw a touchdown. He actually had more yards thrown than Sam Donald did in the first half of the game. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but again, the Jets played hard. And as a Jet fan, you should be happy that the Jets are playing hard. They're not going to be looked at as one of the worst teams in NFL history. They're not. Because they're not going to go 0-16. And they actually won two games. And they have a very good chance next week to knock off the New England Patriots. Is it worth losing Trevor Lawrence? Probably not. But I will tell you guys this, and it has come out. Adam Scheffner has come out and said that no matter what happens next week, winning three games in a row, Adam Gase is gone. Mm-hmm. So the Jet fans are not going to have to sit back and worry about Adam Gase next year. Now the Jets are going to have to worry about if the Johnson's going to stay away from Joe Douglas and let Joe Douglas make the decision on who he wants to be the head coach of this team moving forward. The most impressive thing I thought with the with the Jets yesterday was how well they stopped the run on Nick Chubb. I mean, you knew Nick Chubb was going to be featured in that game without the receivers, and the Jets did a great job with, again, not a lot of talent in that front seven. Quentin Williams obviously being fantastic, but just not a lot of overall talent and did a great job just game planning for the run. And you didn't see that as much with, with Greg Williams um, in the beginning of the season was really trying to single out a player. And Chubb was held in check really until the third quarter. And even so, he wasn't great then either. It was really Kareem Hunt who was the reason they almost came back in that game. But kudos to the Jets on that as well. Who would have thought that the Jets were going to outrun the Cleveland Browns, mm -hmm. arguably the best running team in football? You're talking about Chubb, who to me is definitely an all-pro player this year. And Kareem Hunt, who's a pro ball player this year. You have two running backs that are going to get over 1,000 yards, dominated the line of scrimmage all season long, and they couldn't run against the Jets. That the Jets ran better. They were a better running team than the Cleveland Browns. And who would have thought that? And you got the chance to see what this defense could be next year with some of these young players. Fasaki, whatever his name is, he looked really, really good. The kid from Farakaway. The 25-year-old, he looked really, really good. He's been looking really, really good for the last two, three weeks. Some of the young players are starting to develop. And you, you get the opportunity to see what Quinn Williams could do. Who was the best player? Who was the best defensive player on the field against the Rams? It wasn't Aaron Donald. It was Quinn Williams. Say whatever you want about what the Jets are and what the Jets are going to be moving forward. This team has talent. Marcus May was the MVP of the team. He was voted MVP of the team. He's been sensational all year. He's ranked in the power rankings uh, for safeties right now in the league third. Wow. Mm -hmm. You look at Quinn and Williams, there should be no reason why Quinn Williams didn't make the pro ball team. Yeah. No reason why. He dominated the last six weeks. Tell me a defensive lineman that's been better than Quinn and Williams. Makai Beckham. 
who absolutely destroyed Aaron Donald. Look what he did to Miles Garrett. Besides one sack, which he gave up on Miles Garrett in that game, I think in the third quarter, he completely shut down arguably one of the best pass rushers in the league. Defensive player of the year candidate. You're talking about a team that has talent. This isn't a bad team. This isn't the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Detroit Lions or the Cleveland Browns from the past, or even the Cincinnati Bengals. This team has talent. The problem is they need the right coaching. And until they find the right guy for the job, this team, Sam Darnold, are going nowhere. Now, looking at the draft, the Jets are guaranteed to get the second pick in the draft. Guaranteed. There's no way they can lose out on the second pick moving forward, even if they beat New England on week 17. Now you sit back and you wonder, what should the Jets do? Should they keep Sam Donald? Or should they look elsewhere? Is Sam Donald worth fixing? That's the question that Jet fans and ownership and even Joe Douglas is going to have to answer at the end of the season when he decides who's the next head coach of this team. I think that coach is going to have control. I know you've mentioned that many times. Is the coach going to take on the task of going off and trying to fix Sam Darnold, or is the coach going to want his own guy? Most of the time we've seen it with new coaches where they want their own guy. They want to start fresh with a coach QB combo. Again, that's been the new trend, but again, Sam Darnold is still young enough where he is fixable and turnovers have really been the main issue with decision-making. And we kind of expected that coming out of the draft. We didn't expect it to extend this long though, but again, Adam Gase ruining him has a lot to do with that too. So that'll be the interesting factor of it. If it's, if it's a college type coach, I could see him try to get his own quarterback. If it's an experienced coordinator in the NFL, or maybe like a guy like you mentioned with Harbaugh, I can see them trying to stick with Darnold and try to build in other areas. The best thing the Jets should do, and if you were, if I was the GM, not anybody else, this is what I would do as a Jet fan. If I was running the New York Jets, I would stay in that pick. Sewell is the best offensive lineman in this year's draft. If he were in last year's draft, he would have been the best offensive lineman in arguably one of the best offensive lineman drafts we've seen in a very long time. You added Mackay Beckham last year, who probably is the best offensive lineman in this past draft. And then you ask, then you add a guy like Sewell on the other side of that offensive line. You solidify your edges. That's what you need. They're very hard to buy in the open market, and they're very hard to find in the open market. Now you have two beasts of men on both sides of the ball. Both guys, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, 300 pounds, dominate. One you can run the ball behind. The other one that could stop the pass rush. Two guys that could dominate the edges. Could solidify the Jets' offensive line for the next 10 years. Do you know why the Jets were good in the Rex Ryan era? was because of Mangold, DeBrickashaw Ferguson. Fenneca, Damian Woody, these guys that we talk about, the Jets solidified their offensive line help. Everything is built on the trenches. It's not because of the quarterback. It isn't. The quarterback helps out the deficiencies of the offense. But if you have a good running game, you have a good offensive 
offensive line and you have good tight ends and, and you have good ability in open field, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is because if he has seven or eight seconds to throw the ball, he's going to be able to get the ball to any single guy in the open field. That's what an NFL quarterback does. Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or whoever they want. You do not draft a quarterback at number two when three years ago or four years ago you draft a quarterback named Sam Donald and to me has gotten the bad luck of the draw, having Todd Bowles as his head coach the first time and then having arguably one of the worst coaches in NFL history, Adam Gase, as his offensive guy slash quarterback guru. This team has been a disgrace because of one reason and one reason only. and that. Ladies and gentlemen, is Adam Gase. You want to sit back? You want to cry me a river that we lost Trevor Lawrence? Then do it. You want to sing Kumbaya and you want to follow the yellow brick road like, I don't know, Dorothy did? That's fine with me. This is reality here. The Jets have a chance to solidify the worst position, to uh, the hardest position to find, and that is the offensive line. And I will tell you this, if the Jets decide to pass up on getting Sewell, they better damn well believe that they can move down and add at least one or two first-round draft picks or a first and a second to move down in the draft and still get a decent player at the position they're going to be drafting at. And they're lucky, too, that Fields is really that other big-name guy where they can, if they find the offer to get a team that wants fields really badly, a team that's in the top 10, a team that's maybe in the middle of the first round that wants them that badly because fields is worth it. It's not like it's Trevor Lawrence and then it's a huge, huge drop off like we see in certain other drafts. So if they consider trading back, obviously the package will have to be there. And these kind of extreme trades don't really happen as much as they used to, but that's definitely a path they can go in order to accumulate other areas as well. If they do, if they do want to trade back and going back to Sewell, Sewell, I, if from what I remember, in the last really decade was probably the best, like most closest to can't miss that I remember from an offensive lineman, even in last year's draft, even whenever I was hyping up Laramie Tunsil and Jack Conklin and those guys in 2016, I don't remember a guy that was this good for so long. Like Sewell is. And I listened to Kevin Jackson and shout out to Kevin Jackson weapons. Odd. I'm reading what he's writing right now that Sam is damaged. He's 23 years old, 23 the guy hasn't played a full season in three years. How could you say a quarterback is damaged? He is not damaged. Ryan Tannehill was damaged. He went somewhere else, and he became a star quarterback with the Tennessee Titans. You cannot tell me and sit here today and tell me that Sam Darnold can't figure things out and become the quarterback of the future for this team. He's got too much talent. You cannot give up on a quarterback like this. Oh, because you're going to have to pay him $25 million? I'd rather pay Sam Darnold $25 million than $50 million in three years from now or four years from now, or five years from now. You want to go after Zach Wilson? Do you really think, even though I like what Zach Wilson is and what he shows him to be as a player, are you really going to give up on a guy that some people say was a, a generational type of ta ta talent like Sam Donald? He was a generational type of ta talent when he was drafted. Everybody thought he was the number one uh, draft pick. The Browns decided to go with Baker Mayfield. Boy, oh boy, after watching yesterday's game, boy, oh boy, were they wrong. Because even Baker Mayfield, even with the lack of talent that he had, he had more talent than Sam Donald and still couldn't win a game. So for anybody to sit here and tell me right now that he's damaged goods, well, obviously, you don't know football. 
Sam could be fixed if he has the right coach coaching him. He is a good quarterback. He's got a great arm. He can move inside and out of the pocket. And if you give the guy more than eight seconds to throw the ball with a good offensive line, there's no way he's going to fail. It's ridiculous to say right now that Sam Darnold is damaged goods. I am, I'm honestly going to sit here over and over again and say this. Sam Darnold right now, taking him off the charts from Trevor Lawrence, I would take Sam Darnold over Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, or any quarterback besides Trevor Lawrence in this draft. And you know why? Because this kid is still as young as them. Zach Wilson coming into the league right now. How old is Zach? 22, 23? Yeah, he's on the older side. He's He might even be a fifth-year senior, if I remember correctly, or a graduate. He's the, same, he's the same age as Sam Darnold. Why would you give up a guy that's been in the league for three years, he understands the speed of the game, and you put the right coach around him? And the right running backs, the right talent around him. Add an Allen Robinson. Maybe draft a top NY receiver for your second first round draft pick and solidify your core, your, your wide receiving core. You have Herndon. Chris Herndon has played well for the last two games. Say whatever you want about him. He's looked good. You add another tight end and later in the draft. You solidify this offense for what it is. To give up on a quarterback and say he's damaged goods is wrong. And if you're willing to give up on Sam and waste another first-round draft pick and set the Jets back because you need to draft another quarterback, it's going to take a year or two to get him back and get him intact with the offensive style of game and the speed of the NFL game. What are you going to do? You're going to set your team back for another two years. Now, here's the other question you got to look at. What if they do still try to dangle him and get a good offer? Does that still make a difference in terms of what decision you would make in terms of number two overall? If you can get that extra draft pick or maybe get a better offer than you would have expected for Darnold? Honestly, the only way the Jets decide to move away from Sam Darnold now is if the coach says, I would rather work with Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. That is the only way the Jets decide to pass up on getting Sewell at number two and moving forward with Sam Darnold. That is the only way. If you if you want to get Eric Bieniemy, and the only way you can get him and sign him is, I want to pick the quarterback that I want. And he says, Sam is not the guy. He's not the goods for me. I want this guy. Then you do, you to keep or bring, uh, bring Eric Bieniemy or keep him in uh, Floral Park. That's the way you want to do it. Then that's the way you do it. Now, would you, if you're the Jets, if you want to say have a college coach like we saw what the Cardinals do with Cliff Kingsbury, do you do you want to entice them with their own quarterback too? If that ends up being the case, even if they're not a proven head coach, because the enemy we know I think can be no matter what because of what, who he is, he's been around Andy Reid type thing. Would you gamble on that with a college coach too? I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know what the Jets are going to do in the offseason. I I do know this. Adam Gase is gone. Hmm. He's gone. He's done. After the New England game, I wouldn't be surprised if you hear after the New England game that the, the Jets are relieving Adam Gase with his coaching job. I don't know where the Jets are going as their coach. Everybody keeps asking me, where would you go? Where would you go? I have no idea. I have no idea. This is Joe Douglas's opportunity to shine. Pick the right coach, draft right, and you can put this team right back on top in the few, what we saw in the 
the the late two, you know, the middle of the 2000s in 2009, 2010, and 2011. Get the Jets back to not be humiliated, but be a team that be reckoned with defensively and possibly offensively. He needs to figure out who is the guy moving forward from the quarterback position and the coaching position. First think coach, then think quarterback. But for, for to give up one of your first round draft picks this year for another quarterback that you have to wait two more years is crazy. It's crazy. You can win now. You put the right offensive lineman together. You bring in the right defensive players, a pass rusher on the edge, one pass rusher with Quinn Williams developing the way he has, the, the way the defense has played the last couple of weeks. They're secondary at a corner in the second round. Solidify your corner position because Bryce Hall looks like a player. Yeah, there's a lot of good depth for corners in this draft. So if they do end up going that route and maybe trading back or trading back with certain other picks, if they do take Sewell at two, or even if they take quarterback at two as well, there's a lot of depth for that to build up between receivers and corners for the Jets. And we know those are two of the biggest weaknesses. You draft Sewell. That's what the Jets need to do. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to be, you want to see the Jets a Super Bowl contender for many, many years? Well, look at the division they're in now. New England is going to be better next year. They are. They're not going to be as bad as they were this year after eight players decided to step away this season because of COVID-19. They're not going to be as bad next year. You have Miami that looks like going, they're going to be a playoff team every single year. I don't trust Tua, but I trust that whole rest of that team. And then you have the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, Diggs, that defense, and, and the coaching staff. That team is going to be good for many, many years to come. The Jets need to compete. Where do you do that? You do it in the trenches. Defensive line, offensive line. You solidify both. If you're the most talented defense and you're the most talented offensive line in that division, you will dominate. You will still beat the good teams. You'll still beat the good quarterbacks. And good quarterbacks don't show up in games, a.k.a. Uh, Jared Goff being one of them where everybody thinks he's good. He stinks. And Baker Mayfield, who can't win unless he has 17 or 18 superstars around him. It's a joke. It is a joke. As a New York Jet fan, you can only sit back. All I keep hearing is Zach Wilson this, Justin Field that, this guy, that guy. Oh, we need this guy. We need that guy. How about keeping Sam, bringing the right guy in, and building around the trenches? That's how you win Super Bowls. That's how you win championships. You want Bill Cowler to come here? Solidify what you are, what the team could be. Get the offensive linemen. Build the edges. Beckham, Saul. Build the inner part, the interior, even free agency or even the guys that you have right now. Move Font to the guard position. You're going to have a big, huge offensive line. Who is going to be able to get to Sam? Who's going to get to him? Each and every one of them are six foot six or bigger, 300 pounds. Who's going to move them? Think about it. Sam gets seven to eight seconds to throw the ball. Me and you could throw the ball, Speedy. You don't need to be a great quarterback if you have a great offensive line. And I still think Sam Darnold could be a franchise quarterback. I said it before Trevor Lawrence. You guys need to stop back and stop attacking what Sam Darnold is. He, you could say he's damaged good. He's 23 years old. He is a baby.
He's got three years of football. He can change everything if you put the right coach around him. Eric Bieniemy, Campbell, Jim Harbaugh, whoever, whatever. Stop complaining about Sam. This isn't Sam's fault. It's coaching. Coaching wins championships in the NFL. Ask Bill Belichick. Ask Vince Lombardi. Ask all the greats. The Bill Parcells. Winning comes from coaching. That's all I'm going to say about that. For all you Jeff fans, Zach Wilson, I want Zach. I want Justin. You know what? Let's keep Sam. We suck for Sam. Now we need to save Sam. How do you save Sam? Offensive line help. That's what saves Sam. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get our special guest, our only special guest, and we will get into, trust me, we will get into the Giants. We'll get more into the Jets. I'm sure we're going to get callers. Definitely stay along and stay in because we have a great guest. I love this guy. We are going to have Wisconsin, yes, Wisconsin three-star recruit corner in the building, ladies and gentlemen, Al Ashford here on the greats, ladies and gentlemen. What is it, Speedy? Down to the wire. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to Down to the Wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is for Al, ladies and gentlemen. Biggie Smalls, I love it. You, you can't beat the notorious B.I.G., Tupac Shakur, Big L, Big Pun, any of these wonderful New York hip-hop artists. As you guys know, this is Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can call us at 631-965-4990. You can listen to our show every single Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app at WWSRN on Apple and Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, wow, wow. You know, when we talked to this guy, a couple of months ago, I absolutely, we've interviewed so many recruits, so many personalities on this show. And this guy was one of maybe five guys that stood out to me. Out of all the guys and all the people that we've interviewed, this guy stood out to me just because of his personality and, and really who he is as a person. And I, I was very excited when Jillian told me we were going to get him on again. And um, I hope he becomes a fan of the show and a big presence to the show moving forward. We are now talking to Wisconsin three-star recruit, Mr. Al Ashford. What's going on, Al? What's going on? How y'all doing? I'm good, man. You're not in your car anymore, so that's a good thing. Right. Yeah, we're in the house, man. <laughs> you know, I, I watch all your Instagram videos. I see what you put up there. You were just uh, – I guess you were at a ski resort or you were doing tubing with your yeah. family. 
Your father is hilarious, by the way. Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Your uncle. Yeah, he's, a, he's a character too, man. Oh, man. I, I love it. I, I love how your family's so close together. It doesn't matter where you guys go. You cause havoc and fun. And, and that's what I love. I, my father, thank God, cherish your father, cherish your family, because my father passed five years ago. And I miss him every single day, all the crazy stuff that we did as kids. And, and really just enjoying the fun and, and the craziness. So I, when I watch you with your father and your family, it's, it's very, very intriguing to me. And I, I love watching you young kids. Uh, just grow as men. So I'm very happy to get you on the show. As you guys know, we are talking to Wisconsin three-star recruit corner, Al Ashford. By the way, we have some guys, a part of our network, that are huge Wisconsin fans. And uh, they're going to love you on the field in 2021. So how are you and your family doing right now with this pandemic since we talked? Uh, man, we're great, man. We're blessed. Um, should I'm actually getting ready to head out. My move, I leave on the 15th. My moving date's the 17th um, of January. So that's going to be a new adjustment. But man, everything's been good. Just, you know, it was, it was weird having Christmas, just, you know, us this year. And, you know, it's everything's different, but, you know, it's fun, you know. I don't know if you were watching the Green Bay Packer game, but it was snowing badly over there. And man, uh, them the best games to play in. <laughs> I can't now wait. You're going, now you're going from Buffalo, upstate New York, all the way to Wisconsin. A cold, cold state, and uh, it's it's not known for its football. It's known for its hockey. I mean, some of the great young hockey players come from Wisconsin, but uh, you're going to have the experience over there to play in the snow every single year. So, what is your thoughts about moving to Wisconsin and and having the opportunity to be a Badger? Man, you know, I'm just I'm just excited, man. You know, Wisconsin has a history of some great you know football players. You know, the JJ Watts, the uh, Melvin Gordon's, the Russell Wilson's, you know, some some guys that can really play ball. So for me, I feel like I'm, you know, the next guy to come out of Wisconsin. So just to have that opportunity, man, and just to get the uh, chance to play in some frozen games, you know, those are so fun to me, you know. And people think I'm crazy because I don't even wear long sleeves when it's cold outside <laughs> for the games. I'll be having my arms out, and man, them just the best games. Make it easier to hit, you know. People don't like to get hit when it's cold. <laughs> So we we're mentioning, I was mentioning this to you off air. Jillian was telling me you have a lot of, a lot of the great stories and one of them being your national signing day uh, that you happened that you had just recently. I know a lot of, we've had interviewed a lot of recruits right around that time in November and December that just now. So what was, what was that experience like just being the whole different setup? So the news, uh, the local news, nine news had got at me and said, Hey, we want to cover your signing day. I was like, cool. We got to figure out a location. It turned out because of COVID, we couldn't do it indoors. So it's 30, I think it was 34, 35 degrees outside. And it was like, well, where can we do it at? We couldn't do it inside my school stadium because of the district rules. So we're in the parking lot of the school, me and five of my buddies that signing out there in 30 degree weather doing our signing day. While folks all bundled up behind us. I had, glo I had some gloves on for the signing day just so, you know, my hand ain't look like it was cold when I'm signing the paper. Al, you're so used to sitting in the car and hanging out in the parking lot. Yeah, nothing's new to me that you'd be signing your contract over there inside of your school, uh, you know, your letter of intent over there in a parking lot, in the middle of a parking lot. <laughs> being 30 so it oh, wasn't surprising yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, man, it was, it, was, it was fun. But, you know, get to have my siblings out there and uh, shoot everybody with us and got us a little some decorations, you know, some red and white balloons and got to see some of my buddies sign and, even some of my guys that, uh, you know, didn't tell anyone where they were going yet until signing day, you know, end up uh, making their decisions. So that was great. 
We are talking to Al Ashford, Wisconsin three-star recruit corner, great kid, a great personality. And uh, we were talking about your coaching and and where you see yourself in the future, not only playing professional football, but uh, what you like to do on the side. Uh, maybe become a gym teacher, maybe becoming a coach after you're done with football. Uh, what are your thoughts with what you've seen so far in college football? If you were a coach in college football right now, what has stood out to you being with the COVID-19 season and, and all the stuff that you've seen in the SEC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12? What stood out to you this year with the COVID-19 season? Uh, you really see which coaches are real football coaches because, you know, anyone could be a recruiter. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it doesn't take too much talent as actual football coach to say, I'm going to go recruit guys. Um, at that same note, you know, there's teams where you're having – at least five, six starters out each week because of COVID. You know, lineups are always shuffling. If you can still produce and get, win football games or be in close football games without, you know, the the main guys, you know, you try to build your program around, that proves to me, you know, you're a real football coach. And then, uh, you know, even some conferences where they haven't been playing as long, like the Big Ten compared to, you know, conferences like the SEC, you see where the talent level is. You know, you see where some teams – have that resiliency to be down and know how to come back and win because they've been playing longer where other teams, they get down and it looks like they just fold, you know, especially in the Big Ten. Yeah, you brought up the Big Ten. I mean, it's, it was a very interesting year for the Big Ten. We saw a lot of teams that were expected favorites dropping off and also vice versa, where you saw teams like Indiana and Northwestern really uh, rise to the ranks all of a sudden, schools that are normally known as basketball schools. So uh, what were your thoughts to the this type of Big Ten season, the shortened season? And also a lot of coaches uh, taking shots at Ohio State saying they don't deserve to be in the playoff type thing. What are your impressions of that? And what can you see if they have another shortened season or weird season like this, if you're playing, obviously? Well, you know, Ohio State, um, they are a great program. You know, uh, no, no disrespect to them. Uh, when it comes to football teams, if they're not in the conversation as one of the, the better or one of the best football teams in the nation right now, then that's you're, you're not looking at football right. Just looking at the conference they play in, you know, the talent level they're playing against, they're playing against some real teams. And although they haven't been playing as long, the, the people that they're playing against are valued opponents. You know, in the SEC – you got some games that are kind of drop-offs compared to other games, you know, where you, you'll get some great games and then some, you know, so. And then also looking at the shortened season, just being that if I get there, if it could happen, um, it really wouldn't change too much with me, man. I'm going to still have the same goals. I'm going to come in, just work hard, you know, get on the field any way I can. And, man, I just I just love to see us win, you know. Um, I think we get in a bowl game, and this is like one of our first seasons in the last few years where we're going like, you know, just at 500. You know, we I think we lost three games, which, you know, isn't too normal for us. But, you know, I, I just can't wait to be up there and, you know, to have all the coaching I can get and to have everybody, um, you know, hopefully the full team, hopefully this COVID thing just kind of <laughs> kills out so we can have everybody. Well, Al, listen, you're a coach. And you're a corner, and you're going to the Badgers, Wisconsin, a top school, top offense, top defense, all that. Now, there are three quarterbacks coming out uh, to going into the NFL draft this year that everybody wants to assess. Now, you, you talk about Trevor Lawrence. Everybody says there's a generational type of quarterback, and everybody thinks he's the next big thing. He's the next Andrew Luck, who, by the way, is no longer in the NFL. Just saying. The next Peyton Manning, who's no longer in the NFL. Just saying. So all the guys. Now, you, you look at Zach Wilson and you look at Justin Fields. Could you assess all three of them? If you were playing against them, 
What do you see in all three of these quarterbacks? And in your eyes, honestly, who do you think is going to be successful in the NFL, in the NFL style of game? That's a good question. Um, Justin Fields, athletically, I think is the more gifted of the three. Um, just being that, the way he can see the field, the way he can maneuver, just getting around. You know, you, you've seen him lower his shoulder run through guys. You've seen him be able to make moves in space. Uh, where Trevor Lawrence has as well, just to me, not at the same rate, you know. Um, but I think Trevor Lawrence just fundamentally has the best mechanics out of the three. And uh, if I was, you know, scouting against and playing against that team, I would just see that Trevor Lawrence, he uh, he can deliver a, a few more balls to me that uh, Justin Fields isn't delivering. And, and, it's you know, Justin Fields has great arm talent. To me, it's just he's still getting to that point of really delivering ball, you know, like – Sometimes I see him just tuck and run when I think he could have really delivered a ball downfield, you know. So um, Zach Wilson's also a great quarterback. Uh, in the NFL, you know, I don't see him being, you know, a generational type quarterback yet. Um, but you never know. You know, guys develop and, uh, you know, people surprise you. You know, I, I never thought Tua was going to be an a NFL, you know, top-tier quarterback. He's not going to be either. <laughs> he, he's, you know, he's, he looks like he might be able to build up to there one day. Come on, man. They're taking, they're taking him out of games because they don't trust him. They bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then the coach says after Ryan Fitzpatrick wins the game, oh, Tua is still my starter. What are you, crazy? I, I, mean, I, love, Fitz, I love Fitz Magic, man. Fitz Magic. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> He's always been funny to me, man. The way I will say this, though, just... Alan, as, a, as a corner. Yes, sir. I was going to say, was that not the worst showcase of coverage from the Raiders you might have ever seen? Man, I, I remember watching it and being so confused. Just like, what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, mess me up, man. I remember it's called, I called my DB coach and was like, do you know what they're doing? <laughs> I was like, Is there something I haven't learned yet in my football craft, you know? <laughs> Well, I will say this. Uh, as you guys know, we are talking to Al Ashford, Wisconsin three-star recruit corner, friend of the show. Uh, love this kid. Great personality. Knows what he's talking about. Coaches uh, Pee uh, Wee football. Not only does that, he's a, he's a top recruit. I think he's going to be a great player for Wisconsin. I'm not a Wisconsin fan, as everybody knows, but I love this kid. I'm going to be rooting for him, and, and, and I'm going to watch him succeed because I, I love his personality. I love his uh, – understanding of the game and, and he he knows the game very very well i watch everything that he does on instagram now so uh his personality flares and and that's what you need you need a guy if, if you want to be a star in the league and you want to be a personality in the league you, you show your personality not only to the to the fans but for, show it to the people that follow you so i think al does that now al you look at the cornerback position and this year's draft there's nothing there's nobody that really sticks out in this year's draft as far as corners are concerned. I mean, Ohio State has a couple of corners that could be decent, and Ohio State is known uh, to have a few corners that have made it to the NFL and have been successful, unlike quarterbacks uh, that have come from Ohio State and not succeeded from Ohio State. So I'm not taking shots at Justin Fields. I'm just speaking the truth here. That's so, right. I, I'm with you. So when you look at the cornerback position, the guys that are coming out, this year, is there any corner that stands out that st stands out to you that could be the next generational type of corner coming out of this year's draft? Um, to be honest with you, I, I haven't seen anyone, uh, you know, that really hits with me where I'm like that guy is is someone I can see, you know, really revolutionizing the game, revolutionizing the game. Like 
you know, Darrell Revis has made things like in the game. You know what I'm saying? He's mm -hmm. he's made things that people have to look for. You know, you never heard about guys being boundary island corners really until him. That's why I love you. Know, you. That's why I love you. My favorite player. So yeah, that's why I oh, love yeah. you. And then you got guys like Champ Bailey revolutionizing the game. You know, corners that can come tackle, be really physical at the line of scrimmage. The the Dion's, a corner that can, you know, anytime he touches the ball, he can go score. You know, so you can't throw over there at all. Um, I don't really see a corner in this class being that type of player, but there's some great players nonetheless. You know, um, one is a Wisconsin kid, uh Rashad Wild Goose just came out. I've been watching his film. He's a He's a great zone corner, someone that just understands position and knows where he needs to be. And that's a guy I feel like can make plays. You know, and Ohio State has guys that are great man-up corners. That's what Ohio State's known for. They can go, you know, be locked on a guy and make plays. So just, um, you know, seeing where guys take it because you never really know. You know, there could be another Jeremy Chin we don't know about. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to your coaching. You're, uh, you're with your peewee team, your youth team. Um, did you guys have a season this year? And um, it was so, what were some of the moments of that? And how did you stay in touch with the kids in this kind of like different type of year? How did they react to all that? Oh, uh, we sure did, man. We ended up having a season. Um, we ended up going eight, no winning the state championship. They call it the, uh, you know, AYL Super Bowl. So, you know, my first seat, my first season really coaching, I got a Super Bowl win. So I, you know, <laughs> got, got me there. Um, Man, we, we got scored on twice the whole year. Wow. Oh, wow. That's, why, that's why you're a coach and that's why you're a corner. I mean, it's all about defense, baby. Oh, defense all the way. Championship. So uh, a lot of Jet fans are crying the river right now. They're crying the river because they're not getting Trevor Lawrence. I am a Jet fan that could sit back and say, you know what? When, when the Jets beat the Rams last week, I was like, oh, we're going to lose Trevor Lawrence. They screwed up again. But sitting back and realizing – what the game is built on. It's built in the trenches, offensive line and defensive line. That's what wins championships in the long run. We have seen teams over the years win it with really second-tier quarterbacks, not top-tier generational type of quarterbacks. When you look at the Jets right now, they're drafting at number two. No question they're going to be drafting at number two. If you were the coach of the team or you were the GM of the team, what would you do? Now that you have Sam Donald, you still think that he could be – a gener not a generational type of quarterback, but a great quarterback in this league if you put the right coach around him. Do you decide to go and draft a guy like Justin Fields or a Wilson, or do you draft the offensive line talent in Sewell and build around the offensive line where any quarterback could stand in that pocket and throw the ball? What would you do if you were running that team in that organization? How, how old is Chase Wilson? Chase Wilson, I think, is... What, 20? Zach Wilson is 23, 24 years old. Okay. And then, you know, Justin Fields is a younger guy. Trevor Lawrence is a younger guy. I mean, Sam Darnold is still really young in this league. I think Fourth, the youngest quarterback in the NFL. What is he, 23, 24? 23. Going to be 24. Yeah, yeah. He, he's still young, man. I mean, and, and to me, Sewell's one of the best linemen to come out the draft in the last two to three years, you know, if, if not the best. You know, just looking at his tape, he's a – He's a guy that, to me, he he probably was the best lineman, could have been the best lineman in the draft last year as well. Mm -hmm. um, you pick a guy up like that and you just really focus on developing guys and really getting your O-line together, any quarterback can make plays at that point. You're getting, what, five, six seconds in the pocket. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So on top of that, if you guys solidify the receiving core, you know, get a, maybe get another good tight end. I think the Jets do got another first-round pick, right? 
Yeah, they got two first-round draft picks this year, two first-round draft picks next year. They have two second rounds and three and possibly three third rounds this year and two fourth rounds. So oh, there's that. Case, yeah, y'all can really – y'all can do a lot. Um, y'all can definitely build up that receiving core, um, get a real tight – get a, get another good tight end, just someone that can really, you know, be that blocking down, kind of move the F back as well, just kind of throwing packages together, depending on, you know, how that coaching staff looks because uh, I know y'all coach kind of – you know, he out of there regardless of anything. Thank God. I mean, what do you want me to jump off a bridge or something? I mean, I, I'd rather tie a brick to my leg and sink to the bottom of the ocean. I mean, watching this guy. I mean, his googly eyes, TikTok, whatever the hell you call him. I mean, this guy, they call him a quarterback guru. He couldn't coach a peewee football team. I mean, he's terrible. Absolutely horrendous. You will never see Adam Gase, a head coach of an NFL team, ever, ever again. I'll be surprised if you ever see him in the NFL again as an offensive coordinator. He's horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. But, uh, but go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say about that. Let's go. Um, Man, you know, I feel like sometimes, you know, there, there are situations we don't really know about. You know, the Jets have talent, and the fact that he couldn't really do too much with the talent they have, it speaks volumes, but – it's a, it was a hard gig for, for for a lot of guys, you know, to come into that situation. It would have been a hard gig. But uh, what are y'all – y'all went 0-13 for, for a second? You know, that that's just – that doesn't – that's just – that's coaching. They were right 0 there. Once 14. You get to, they were 0-14. 0-14. Yeah, once you get to that, that's coaching. That's not talent anymore. That is – if you can't put put enough pieces together to win a game, man – there, it was embarrassing. There, he's an embarrassment to not only coaches, to anybody that coaches in professional sports. He is absolutely horrendous. I, 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 to me, he should have been fired a long time ago. I would have, I would have, if, if I was running the team, I would have pulled his pants down and kicked him in the ass outside the door. That's why he is an absolute disgrace, ladies and gentlemen. And for anybody to think that Adam Gase should get another job somewhere in college or Division Three, Division Two, well, I'll tell you this right now. I'd rather ride a freaking Orca well, okay. That's what I. <laughs> I've been hearing talks. So y'all might uh, y'all looking at Harbaugh. Yes, and I, I think it's a good move. And I've been saying this. Anybody that knows me, and Speedy will tell you this. I've been saying this for months. I've been saying this for months. The guy that I, if you're going to keep Sam Donald, the guy that I would bring in is Jim Harbaugh. And I know everybody's going to say he didn't do anything very well with some of the young quarterbacks in Michigan. That's fine. Great. His recruiting classes were great. They never sell it. He is not a college coach. He is an NFL coach. He's an NFL style coach. You saw what he did with Alex Smith. You've seen what he did with Colin, Colin Kaepernick. As soon as Jim Harbaugh went to Michigan, where is Colin Kaepernick? Colin Kaepernick, the only thing you remember is him kneeling down to the national anthem. You don't even remember anything Colin Kaepernick did. And then you think of Alex Smith. The Alex Smith changed as a quarterback when he was there. He became a great quarterback. When he went to Kansas City, he just solidified himself as a good quarterback in the NFL. So uh, to me, Jim Harbaugh would definitely be a guy that the Jets have to talk to and see if Jim Harbaugh, if, if he gives a good uh, a good speech or a good uh, in introduction to what he thinks Ken Donald could be, I would absolutely bring Jim Harbaugh in. I know a lot of people don't like it, and they don't like the signing. Jim Harbaugh is way better than Adam Gase. Anybody and their mother, some a dead fish would be better than Adam Gase. Okay, so Jim Jim Harbaugh is a he's a great coach. You know, he he really understands the game. I think the thing that uh is hard for a coach like that to come from an NFL where guys is it's really a, a business type thing. You know, the NFL is business. You're 
you're putting guys in positions to win games. I think college, you have to have a little more of a family feel to it because, you know, you are staying with these guys for four years or so. You know, the transfer portal does make things different, but it's it's definitely a lot more of a build just because you have to really recruit. You have to do all these things where he wouldn't have to do that, you know, when he was with the 49ers. Mm. So two-part question here, uh, one okay. of which uh, comes from – our fans and one of our hosts who's a big Wisconsin fan. What are your impressions of what you've seen of Graham Mertz so far in the games you've watched? And also what are your impressions of some of the defensive players, whether it's the recruits that you're going to be with or also just players who are playing this year that you might be playing with in the future? Mm, okay. So Graham, I think Graham is a good quarterback. I think Graham, um, it's been tough being that he didn't have really anyone to throw to. Uh, the first the first two games he had, you know, his guys, you know, the core receivers uh, that next what we have three, four games since then. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had Kendrick Pryor, Danny Davis. You know, he's had uh, Ferguson, J- uh, Jake Ferguson. But besides that, he's, you know, it's hard to throw the ball. We don't really have anyone to throw to. Um, but next year, you know, with COVID hopefully being shut down and everybody's, you know, kind of back to a sense of normalcy. And also, you know, Kendrick Pryor coming back and then the receivers in my class. He, he should have people to throw to, and he's always going to have a great offensive line. He's, he's at the University of Wisconsin. You know, that's that's what we breed. And um, as far as defensive players, you know, there's some great talent on that team. You know, you look at uh, Nick uh, Nick Herbig, the freshman outside linebacker from Hawaii. He's been balling out for us. You look at the linebacker core, which has been outstanding. And uh, defensively, you know, in the, in the back end, you know, uh, with Eric Burrell leaving, with um, – Scott Nelson leaving Caesar Williams. There's going to be, you know, room for guys to come in and make plays. And I would be one of those guys, you know, just um, we're going to be young group, but we got a lot of talent. And then size wise, you know, we are of the bigger of the DBs in the Big Ten. I will tell you this, Al. My friend Eric Martini, who keeps writing over here, Zach Wilson, let's go, Zach Wilson. I, I, I and, and you will say it, you will say it pretty strategically from all the quarterbacks that you've seen that are coming out of this year's draft. Zach Wilson could be a successful quarterback in the NFL if he sits back for a year or two behind a quarterback and figures the game out, the speed of the game. You cannot bring Zach Wilson in like you can with Justin Fields or like you can with Trevor Lawrence and expect him to figure things out right off the bat. I do not take a chance drafting at number two, drafting Zach Wilson when you can solidify your offensive line with Sewell and really build build from the trenches, something that the Jets have not done. The last time the Jets did it, Mike Tannenbaum with Nick Mangold and Debrickashaw Ferguson. That is the way to go. If the Jets are a smart organization and if Joe Douglas knows the game like he says he does, and I believe he does, you go and you build through the trenches. I think this was a good – this would be the best move for the New York Jets. Zach Wilson would not be a good move. If Zach Wilson falls to the Jets at 22-23, yeah, then I would draft him as my my late-round, first-round draft pick. Take a chance with him. Let him sit behind Sam for a year. And if he wins out the job, Sam, you trade. Or you decide to let go of Sam. That's the way you go. And no harm, no foul. And you got your starting quarterback. And you have the – the two offensive beasts of men on both sides of the ball. You have Mekhi Beckham on one side that you saw what he did to Aaron Donald. You saw what he did to Miles Garrett the other day. You saw what he did. He was throwing them around. What did and he give up? One sack to Miles Garrett? One sack. And he was throwing and Miles Garrett was lined up to him the whole game. I thought, I think the Browns were trying to show the Jets that we're still going to beast on this guy. It doesn't matter who's over there in front of him. And boy, oh boy, if you watch the clips of that show. 
Miles Garrett got tossed around. He got tossed around the whole game. Makai Beckham gave up one sack, and that's because he gave up on the play when he went all the way around him. Okay, so I I think this you put Sewell on the other side. What are you? How are you going to get to him on the edges? How are you going to get to a quarterback on the edges? You're going to have to go in the interior. And you put Font in the middle of the interior, and you, and you bring in like uh, uh, the Patriots guard or somebody like that with all the money that you have, nobody's going to get to Sam. Nobody. And then me, you, and anybody, that baby could throw in the pocket and and, and, and score touchdowns. I mean, that's, it his, that's his game, though. At USC, Sam was sitting in the pocket and letting the ball fly. You know, we've seen in that Pac-12 style of play, if Sam – has time to make plays he can you know mm. and although the nfl game speed is faster he's been in the league for three years now mm. he understands league speed so you know for me it's like if you put those pieces with him there's no reason why sam dardo couldn't make plays and couldn't be a playoff contending type quarterback coming out the afc East. okay so one more question for me and i'm gonna let you go because i know you can't wait uh, to get ready January, at the end of January, to go over there to Wisconsin, play for the Badgers. I, listen, I love you as a person, but the fact that you're going to play for the Badgers, it really upsets me. It really does. I mean, Florida State Seminole or, or maybe somebody else. I mean, you're going to Wisconsin. I'm not a big fan of them. But well, I'm going to I mean, move- you know, we got, a, we got a great Jet who's our coach, though. My defensive coordinator is Jim Leonard. And oh. Rex Ryan, he was, a, he was a ball player, man. So I felt like with him, if I can get coached from him, it should make me an NFL defensive back. You're going to be great, and I, I can't wait to, go, to come to your draft party. We're going to have fun. Me and your father are going to tube right down whatever mountain he wants to drive right down when you get drafted in the first round because I think you're going to be great, man. I really do. I think your personality sells to the fan. I think any Wisconsin fan that loves the Badgers are going to love you as a person because I think your personality, your smile, and who you are as a person, you're a good kid. I think you're going to grow in the position. You're going to be a very successful cornerback. So before we let you go, Tell us something this year that stood out to you about watching your Wisconsin Badgers. What stood out to you the most moving into 2021 and the opportunity of you being a freshman and going to play for the Badgers? Well, you know, since I am a defensive player, we have a top five defense in the country. Almost any category, we play defense. And that's, that's attributed to guys like Jim Leonard, you know, coaches that really care about the program and players buying in. So me coming into a program like that where in high school, I've been in some great programs where I think last year we gave up 52 points in 14 games. This year when we won state, we gave up, I think, 21. You know, we, we don't get scored on, and I love that, that mindset of you're going to you're gonna have to shut down our offense to beat us. Like, we're going to have to not be able to score at all for y'all to beat us, you know. <laughs> um, I can't wait, man. Just, just to get that, that stood out to me the most about Wisconsin, just being that we can – lock up pretty much anybody in the country, you know, and uh, shoot, I can't wait. I think my junior year, we play Alabama at home. So, yeah, I can't wait to see them. kick their asses. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, got to, man. You better. You better. You know, you tie tie Nick Saban up and trap him in a box or something. Do something. Keep him off the field. I mean, that team, I can't stand watching them win national titles. Them and Clemson are getting me sick to my stomach. I want to see a new national title, new national champion. Please, Ohio State, knock off Clemson. And let's see Justin Fields go into Alabama or play Alabama and knock them off. And I would love to see. There's so many... There's so many con- con- so much controversy if somehow Justin Fields knocks off Clemson and then goes into Alabama and knocks off Alabama. You could be talking about maybe Justin Fields going number one if he surprised the world and knocks off the two powerhouses. I could see that. 
He's I playing can, good I, defense. He's playing great defenses. If he came in and did that, I mean, you have to relook at you have to look at it again. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely. Al, tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Man, you can go to my Instagram at Al underscore Ashford. Uh, Twitter Ashford uh, lowercase i three times. And man, uh, I happy to be on. I appreciate y'all. Go check out WWSRN Worldwide Sports Radio Network. <laughs> my guy Speedy, everybody. Man, I'm, I can't wait. Man, I'm happy. Well, we're going to get you on once you're in Wisconsin. Maybe we'll get you live in the locker rooms of some of your crazy, uh, crazy teammates over there. I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see you guys do whatever you do in the locker room. I don't want to do the private life, but uh, maybe get you and it's some of the crazy personalities that you are. I would love to get you on. I, I'm I'm happy that you're a fan of the show and the network. Um, I'm a fan of you, man. I want you to do. I want you to be successful, no matter if you're playing for Wisconsin or not. So uh, I appreciate it, man. Definitely go hit you when we get that draft party. Natural. Come on, man. I, I'm gonna be the. I'm gonna be the life of the party, man. If you want me to be your agent, I'll get you the most money too, man. So don't worry about that. I <laughs> can do sir. it all. Baby. I can do it all, baby. And uh, there's some big things going on with our network. So uh, if I call you, uh, I might be able to get you on a very big, uh, a very big radio station out here in New York. Uh, very well known. We're working on something very, very soon. So I'd love to get you on and talk a little football with you. Oh, awesome, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Al Ashford, ladies and gentlemen, Wisconsin, three-star recruit corner. Great guy, friend of the show, fan of the show, friend of the show. Great, great kid. Looking forward uh, to his growth at Wisconsin. Um, Man, uh, and I love his personality. Just a very straightforward, down-to-earth guy. I see Josh having a, a massive heart attack. With his Badgers, I want to hear more Badgers. I want to stop enough with the Jets. Well, well, I want to know his opinion. He's a corner. He's a guy that understands the game just as much as anybody. He coaches Pee Wee, and and he just gave you the answer on why he would he would look at Zach Wilson and not draft Zach Wilson. He told you why, because as good as Zach Wilson looks with BYU and uh, college football, he is not played in a big division, and he's not the guy that you could depend on right off the bat as your starting quarterback. You're going to have to sit him out a couple of years and let him figure things out as a backup quarterback before you bring him in. You do not draft him at number two. I know Eric Martini and all you crazy lunatics think that Zach Wilson is the guy to go with. I think it's the wrong move for the Jets. Think the yeah, right field, but that's the only quarterback you take it to. But again, you could even consider Sewell because, again, like like you said, there's not much of a can't miss prospect at the offensive tackle position either. So either way, though, those scenarios are all great. The Jets are really not in position to develop Wilson again. Maybe unless it's the coach's pick and it's the absolute coach's pick, that would be the only scenario I could see that happening. But even then, you might consider trading back at that point too, because I mean, unless other teams are that desperate for Wilson, it's going to be hard to see him go that early in the draft either and make it worth it for the Jets. Justin Fields will be the number two quarterback drafted. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. After the combine and his pro day, Justin Fields will be the second guy drafted in the draft as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Zach will be maybe might not even be third. He might be fourth, you know? So, uh, so there's a good opportunity where he could fall all the way to the jets at 23, 24, or wherever the jets are drafting in the late twenties and they can draft him. So there's quite a, there's a possibility in the jets. 
even though they're not drafting a one, they're still going to be the they're going to be the second pick in the second round, the second pick in the third round. They're set up in a very good position to get the players that they need to rebuild this organization moving forward. They're going to get some good players. So, but I, I we're not going to go to break. I want to talk a little bit about the New York Giants, and you guys can call the show if you want to call the show and argue whatever you want to argue. You can call us at six three one nine six five four nine nine zero. Again, the number is six three one nine six five. Four nine nine zero. I before we go to break, and we will get into some basketball when we come back as well. What game stood out to you yesterday with week sixteen of the NFL season? One that definitely stood out to me was the Steelers and the uh, the Colts and the Steelers. I mean, that was a very back and forth type game. Indianapolis seemed like they were dominating. They were defensively, they were just knowing what to do, and then all of a sudden they pulled off what a lot of teams pull off. They just get overconfident and. Phillip Rivers made a lot of big mistakes. The running game got slowed down and the defense, for whatever reason, had a lot of trouble against those receivers. And those corners are very talented for Indianapolis. We've seen it all year. And all of a sudden they just broke down. And again, the Steelers it looked like they were that second half struggle type team again, but the Colts were kind of like that last year too, where they collapsed down the stretch. And that's a worrisome sign for Indianapolis. I mean, they get Jacksonville in the season, but again, they have to now rely on everyone else to lose too, whether it's Cleveland taking a bad loss, whether it's again, the Ravens or the dolphins. Now they're not in position anymore. So it's very interesting. And what the Steelers could end up doing too. Uh, do they try for the two seed? Do they rest their starters? Do they want to keep the Browns out? Is that something a big deal for them? That makes that scenario all very interesting too, especially what happens. The Browns screwed up. The Browns screwed up. They're not making the playoffs. The Browns are not making the playoffs. You, you heard it from me. They're not making the playoffs. And that was because of Baker Mayfield and the stupidity against the New York Jets. They should be ashamed of themselves. I don't care if you were missing every single player in your team. You're Baker Mayfield. You have you still have plenty of offensive talent around you to win. Hooper couldn't catch the ball. They couldn't catch the ball in the big parts of the game. And you saw the difference. And, and the Jets made the plays. You say whatever you want. The Jets made the plays and the Browns didn't. The game that really stood out to me was the Atlanta Falcons and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'll tell mm. you why. Kansas City has not looked good for the last three weeks. They really haven't. And 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 by the way, Patrick Mahomes, who everybody says, quote-unquote, is the great, the best, number one quarterback in the NFL. Well, guess what? Aaron Rodgers has defined whatever the number one quarterback is because after what he did yesterday, he is by far the MVP of the league. Patrick Mahomes is not going to be the MVP. I don't care what his numbers show. He's on the most talented team in the NFL, one of the most all-around talented team offensively in the NFL. And, and I'm sorry, you can go up and down that roster offensively to Patrick Patrick Mahomes, to the only guy that really stands out to me uh, on the Green Bay Packers that the Green Bay Packers for sure have a better player than is Devontae Adams. Everybody else, Jones, uh, I'm sorry, if you look at the two run running backs that the Kansas City Chiefs has in Edwards and Le'Veon Bell, I'm taking Le'Veon Bell and Edwards over really? Jones. Yes, I'm wow. taking a dual threat, a two, two guys that can dominate in the open field, especially in the playoffs, when you could spread out and have four or five wide receivers on the field. And, and Le'Veon Bell could do that, so can Edwards. I'm sorry, Jones is one guy. And, and you know, if you want to stuff the running game, you stuff the running game. And, that, and you make Devontae Adams beat you. That's two guys. The other third and fourth options, who are you going to take? Sammy Watkins? Or are you going to take uh, um, Lazard? Lazard. I mean, come on. You're gonna take you're gonna take all the third, fourth, fifth, six, seven, eight options from Kansas City, and I'm sorry, I don't want to hear about rankings of the offensive line. That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs, and the defense. 
Come on. Both teams aren't very good defensively. But all in all, I'm taking Kansas City's defense yeah. over the, of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, the Packers did make a statement, though, stopping the run yesterday, which we didn't think was possible at all with Derrick Henry the way he's running. And they made it. They did a very good job. I still I think he ended up getting still 100 yards, but they really had to fight for them. Patrick Mahomes is not going to be the MVP. He's just not. And Mitchell Trubisky or whoever's the quarterback of the against Jacksonville Jaguars, everybody knew Jacksonville wasn't going to win that game. I, I really thought there was a chance early in the game, but they put they put they put um uh, Mike Glennon in because they wanted to lose. You everybody knows that Minshew wants to win. Right. Minshew wants to win the job. They took him out and they put Mike Glennon in because he gives them the better chance to lose. They're not going to win, and now they're going to try to win next week because it doesn't matter where if they win or lose. They're still going to get the number one pick. So you watch Jacksonville win next week. They'll knock off the Colts or come close knocking off the Colts. And you'll see why uh, I believe the Jacksonville Jaguars tried to lose that game against uh, the Chicago Bears yesterday. They yeah. did. And again, that could be also a kind of game for Minshew, too. That could be very interesting because now the Jags are the number one pick. I think Trevor Lawrence is pretty much a lock there unless they get some kind of big offer. So Minshew might have a chance to get traded and maybe prove himself somewhere else. We've seen these quarterbacks move around. We were talking about Darnold when the Jets had the number one pick as possibly being traded. Maybe that ship has sailed if the Jets go elsewhere. So maybe those kinds of same teams might be looking at Minshew as another option, too. We've seen, we've seen the 49ers now interested in trading Jimmy G. They just got Josh Rosen. There's a lot of different options to to go with now and then the Buccaneers maybe if Brady retires or something like that maybe they'll have an op opportunity too there's going to be options for Minshew and maybe that's the type of game to prove it against that type of defense especially in the magnitude it is keeping him out of the playoffs and all the Giant fans uh, even though I think the Giants are out of the playoffs they still have a chance if Washington loses next week and they beat the Cowboys the Giants will win the division and they will squeak into the playoffs will that happen they have a chance to beat the Cowboys I can't see Washington losing next week I can't. I can't see them losing against the Eagles. And the Eagles, even though Jalen Hurts has looked good, the Eagles looked terrible yesterday. They looked absolutely horrendous yesterday. And if they look as bad as they did yesterday, there's no way the Eagles – and why would the Eagles try to beat Washington? They don't want to see the Giants make the playoffs. Trust me. They don't want to see the Cowboys make the playoffs. They could care less if Washington makes the playoffs because Washington's going to do nothing in the playoffs. Yeah, I think – What's interesting with the Eagles is it looked like for a while they were going to be that December peskiness again with what they always do. They come back, they barely squeak into the playoffs, and then they just completely fell off against the Cowboys. I think mentally that's something that's going to get to them. I, I, I hope that's not the case as a Giants fan because obviously they need the Eagles to win. But again, I'm a little worried too about what Washington could be, especially if they get Alex Smith back too. They just cut Dwayne Haskins. And again, their other quarterback even played okay, almost came back on the Panthers. Well, I will say this. Tennessee yesterday, they looked horrendous against the Green Bay Packers. They really did. I don't blame Tennessee for looking as bad as they did. They couldn't run the ball. They fell behind uh, very early in the game. So, they, you know, what they do is they get ahead very early, and they run the ball, and they dominate the line of scrimmage. They couldn't do that with Derrick Henry yesterday because they fell behind too quick. And then they had to depend on Ryan Tannehill. And I've been telling you guys this from day one. As good as Ryan Tannehill has looked, when you put the pressure on him to make the play, he can't do it. They need that running back. They need that running game to dominate the line of scrimmage, to open up the field, to play action that they have been good at, uh, you know, early in the season and moving forward later in the season, teams are starting to figure them out. You stop Derrick Henry, you stop that offense. So uh, they're, they're just, there were games that stood out to me. I, I'm, I've been very surprised and very, uh, 
I, I've been very impressed with uh, Drew Locke. I know they lost yesterday, and and I, I've been saying about how good Justin Herbert is and what he's going to be in the future. But Drew Locke too. He looked really, really good yesterday. I know they only scored 16 points, but Drew Locke, you could see the difference on the Broncos. The Broncos need to rebuild that offensive line and that defense with Von Miller coming back, hopefully in the offseason this coming year, and maybe re, uh, rebuilding that offensive line. Maybe they have something. I, I think Jerry Judy is going to be a bust. Him really? and Ruggs. Yeah, I think Jerry Judy and Ruggs are going to be a bust. I, I, I don't like how both players have played this year. I think, I, I think a lot of them with Judy is, is really bad quarterback play, though, too. Because remember, Locke in the beginning of the season was just dreadful. Then he got hurt, and all of a sudden, they had to bring in these Brett Rippon and Bortles and all these other guys, Jeff Driscoll. I mean, that's really a tough thing to judge a wide receiver on right away because he's still getting open. It's just he's had he hasn't been targeted as much as he should. I also think Tim Patrick breaking out makes a difference in that, too. Mm -hmm. And they've just been forced to run the ball because of bad quarterback play. So I would still give him more of a chance than that. Alex Slow says, what do I think about Dwayne? Haskins being released today. I don't think anything about it. I First of all, I feel bad for the kid uh, because he really was put in a bad position to fail. I it, uh, In the beginning, Ron Rivera did not like the kid. He did not want him to be the starting quarterback. There were stories coming out from Washington that were trying to land Cam Newton, but there was no way the ownership was going to give up on Dwayne Haskins. So they decided to bring, you know, knowing that Alex Smith was possibly going to come back with that leg injury, that he was going to be the backup quarterback with whoever they were going to bring in as a backup quarterback. It, it's a shame about this kid. Releasing this kid, he really didn't develop. Uh, I think uh, the Jake Gruden situation really hurt him. Uh, ownership over there in Washington, it's a shame. And I think Dwayne Haskins could be a successful backup quarterback in this league. I really do. I think a team has to take a flyer on him because you never know. Maybe he goes to a team that uh, has a good coach, uh, maybe um, Andy Reid or something like that to play behind Patrick Mahomes, let him develop as a kid. And then who knows, Patrick Mahomes gets hurt and he could take over and, and maybe be the future, uh, maybe the future of Kansas City or maybe a future for Oakland. I don't know. But uh, it's a shame what happened to the kid. It's, it's really messed up how that kid, in two years, you decide to release him. You really didn't even give him a chance to develop. Uh, it's a shame. It really is. And, and he is another Ohio State quarterback that is never going to succeed in this league. And that's why everybody thinks Justin Fields is the next guy. I think he's much more talented. I mean, Justin Fields is much more talented than uh, uh, Haskins. And I just think it's a shame. It really is. And maybe uh, in the future – uh, ownership should stay out of making the picks because I remember the Giants really wanted Dwayne Haskins and our Giant fans wanted Dwayne Haskins and they picked Daniel Jones. And boy, oh boy, I, I'm sure Giant fans are biting their tongue now because Daniel Jones has been a lot better than Dwayne Haskins and, and a guy that you can depend on in a big game, uh, unlike a guy like Dwayne Haskins who hasn't done anything. So. From a football perspective, I definitely agree with you that he deserves more of a chance just because outside of Terry McLaurin, they're really not set up with much when it comes to offensive talent. I said their offensive talent is probably between maybe them and the Jets, and I think it's really bad right now. Outside of McLaurin, they don't have much. So from that perspective, it's like a lot, a lot of other quarterbacks, a lot of young quarterbacks, maybe they just need the time and the help around them. But also – with this kind of incident now, a second COVID violation, and also with Ron Rivera, him not really having him having issues with Ron Rivera, you wonder how coachable he is too, and that's a big problem for a young quarterback. Is that something he's going to be able to turn around? That's another question. So I don't know how easily that second chance is going to come as a result of that, because there's a lot of young quarterbacks now, and there's a lot of quarterbacks that are moving as a result too. So when will he get that chance? And 
will he be able to learn from those kinds of mistakes? When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into some NBA conversation. The New York Knicks win their first game of the season against uh, nobody would have thought this, the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Milwaukee Bucks right now is one and three in the beginning of the season. The Greek freak uh, signing that $200 million contract in the offseason. Is he regretting it? When we come back, we will get into NBA basketball here on below the, I'm sorry, almost below the mic, uh, down to the wire on WWSRN. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, 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 you're listening, listening to Down, down to, to the, the wire, wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hey, 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 hey. My name is not Speedy Petey. I cut my hair. I don't know drinking. I don't swear. I spare my limits. I drink a lot. I drink a lot of beers with a tiny tot. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a rapper, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, I try to entertain as much as I can. As you guys know, this is Down to the Wire. Remember, you can listen to us every single Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on WSRN. Remember, you can call us at 631-965-4990. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or going to Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Oh, man. A lot of work, man. I will say this. I, I've been having a lot of fun uh, with the holidays um, really passing before you know it. And, and really... All, the whole year has gone so fast. It really has. And, and believe it or not, there's nothing I could say about uh, how bad the year has been. And really nothing nothing I can really say to remember or want to remember this year to be something special. But there is somebody that wants to come on. I talk to her all day long and is very special to the show. And he doesn't really like to be. I want to introduce the great and powerful Jeff. What's going on, Jeff? I do hate the beef. You are correct. Yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> yeah. What's going on, my friend? Well, you know, I mean, I see that you got Speedy hanging out there, right? And uh, I wanted to ask Speedy how he feels about his football team losing the division to either the Cowboys or a football team that has a quarterback with no legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it was kind of expected. I didn't expect them to beat the Ravens. I think they beat the Cowboys. It's just a matter of trusting the Eagles, which is really, really hard to do at this point. And the Giants' defense did not look good, and that's a concerning sign. The Ravens were moving up and down the field, even with players that aren't great. And that's the biggest problem I have with the Giants and what worries me the most about them going forward because their defense was so trustworthy, especially in the front seven. And now I have to trust the Eagles, who did not look good defensively at all. Even Darius Slay, a great corner, did not look good in that game against the Cowboys, and that scares me too. Jeff, you there? Did we lose you? Yeah. No, I'm here. <laughs> um, I'm just, I, I wanted to see if you were going to go back at him. But anyways, so we were yeah, talking. I mean, you know, I mean, what's there to go back at? You know, his team is fucking, uh, his team's pathetic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely pathetic. <laughs> well, the Giants have not looked good the last couple of weeks. Everything that ever, all the Giant fans were jumping for joy when they saw mm -hmm. them. 
distracted and really surprised the world in knocking off the Seattle Seahawks. Ever since then, the Giants defense has not looked good. Everybody was talking about Graham possibly being uh, a defensive corner that was going to be interviewed in the offseason. I, I think that some people just need to hold up. I do like what the Giants have done so far. The 4-3 defense has looked better. Leonard uh, Leonard Williams looks like a pro ball player. I mean, it's been sensational what we've seen so far with the defense. So you can't say anything bad about the defense, but the offense has been absolutely putrid. Uh, knowing that Saquon Barkley was going to be out for the whole rest of the season, uh, this offense has been terrible. And I don't want to hear about uh, Golden Tate or Ingram or any of these guys or uh, Slayton, who everybody thinks is the next up-and-coming guy to, since Odell Beckham, who he's nowhere close to. So, uh, well, unfortunately. You know, there, is, there is one thing to be said good about the Giants, right? At least they got the best quarterback in that draft that year, right? Daniel Jones is certainly still on an NFL roster while Haskins isn't. Well, Kyler Murray was the best Kyler quarterback Murray. in that draft class. It, Kyler Murray was the best out of that draft oh, class. Oh, that's right. He was taking one. Yeah, yeah but uh, right. Daniel Jones was the second best quarterback in that class. It's not even an argument. And well, Hey, listen, at least they didn't screw that up, right? They mm -hmm. could have taken Haskins. That was the big debate that year. Mm-hmm. And, and Jay Gruden's no longer there, and Gettleman will still be there. I mean, his defense has been rebuilt, and I have to say Gettleman has done a good job in his draft classes in the last two years and, and what they've done defensively. So uh, Gettleman is not all bad for the Giant fans. So we'll see what they could do offensively in the offseason. So, Jeff, if you were a Jet and you were the Jets' ownership or you were the Jets' GM, and we talked about this, where do you go at number two now that you have the number two pick in the draft? Well, you know, it, it, it depends, right? It depends on what they want to do with Sam Darnold, right? If they're keeping Sam Darnold, then I'm taking Panay Sewell, right? That's, that's what I would do. But, and if they're moving on from Sam Darnold, then you need to figure out which quarterback the new coach is going to want going forward and take that person. That's a good enough answer, and I, I think the same way. I, I think no matter what, you, dra you draft the offensive lineman. I, I think that solidifies your offensive line for the future. It doesn't matter who's behind that offensive line. That, that offensive line will be, be able to keep uh, players off you at least five or six seconds. And if you're, a if you're a decent quarterback in the NFL, if you have five or six, sec six seconds to throw in that pocket, you're going to make plays. Absolutely. Right. Right. It just, but it doesn't matter, though, right? Because – if you're moving on from Sam Darnold and you believe one of these quarterbacks is a franchise quarterback, then you have to take that player. If you, if you believe it's a franchise quarterback, you have to take him. You can always find another offensive lineman or plug someone in that can be sufficient or whatever. But, I mean, that's the only reason you wouldn't take offensive line, I think, right, is just because you, know, you can't pass up a guy you believe is a franchise quarterback. It's the most important position on the field. You have to do it. Now, Jeff, um, Steve from our show, where he was part of Down to the Wire, he's watching the show right now. Um, he, he, asked, he asked on the feed, how has Jeff been doing with the post-Brady era? So how have you been doing with the post-Brady era? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm fine with it. It's, um, you know, listen, they're not good, right? They're not. But I said, when we had talked at the beginning of the season, I said this team is a 7-9 team. Where are they right now? 7-9. and nine. You're, they're, I think they well, have six I mean, wins. They're on, they're on pace for it, six right? They're on pace for it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is pretty much the, the season I expected from them. And I'm not really upset that Brady is gone. You had to move on sometime. Even, 
you know, Steve Young, you know, uh, moved on, or Joe Montana moved on to another place at the end of his career. I mean, it stinks. I love Brady, and I wish him nothing but the best. But, you know, we got to figure out what we're doing at quarterback. And I actually like what the Patriots have on the team at a lot of places. You know, their young linebackers are really good. J.C. Jackson's really good. Damian Harris has come out of nowhere and is really running exceptionally well. Right? Like, so they have some good things going on. It's just their, their two biggest holes, wide receiver and quarterback, are the most obvious thing people pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Right? So, mm-hmm. if, so, you know, so if they can find another quarterback, whether it be in the draft or through free agency, maybe a Mariota or a Stafford or whatever, because let's be honest, Cam Newton stinks. And if, and if they had a, a halfway competent quarterback, they'd be a playoff team even without all these opt-outs. They lost on the one yard in the last second on the last play to the Seahawks. They should have beaten Denver. If they had any kind of quarterback play against Kansas City, if you go back to remember that Kansas City game, they would have beaten Kansas City that night, right? Like, Kim Newton just stinks. Mm-hmm. He just stinks. So any better of a quarterback in this team will be, you know, I mean, they're still a pretty good team and a pretty good nucleus there. Uh, yeah, they got the goat. They got the goat. <laughs> Belichick's still there. <laughs> well, I, I can't say I can't say anything bad about Bill Belichick. I, if Tom Brady can't win in Tampa, I don't want to hear that he can because this is this is to me. I, I've <laughs> I've said this for years. Tom Brady played in the easiest division in football. He had the best coach in football coaching. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not saying Tom Brady isn't a great quarterback. I'm not saying he's not one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But the I, problem, I the, pro- the problem with saying something like that. It downplays all the like all the great games that he's won against all the other division winners. Like you can say, oh, they got a pass to the playoffs, and that could be true. But they made the most of the time they had in the playoffs. They beat the Steelers how many times, and the Colts how many times, and those teams were the best in every other division at the time. You know, they, they you know, the year before the Chiefs won the the Super Bowl two years ago, Tom Brady beat Mahomes in the AFC Championship yep. game. So it, when you go, oh, they played an easy division, you almost kind of skip over the fact that they beat every other good team in every other division to either get to those Super Bowls and then win those Super Bowls. No, I'm not, so ta- little, I'm not taking that away from them. I'm not taking but that it's away. It's a little disingenuous when you say, "Oh, well, they had the easiest division." Well, if they, you know, if they were no good and played in the easy division, they'd, they'd have been one and done in the playoffs. How many times that didn't happen? All right. So Jeff C.J. Desimone says, "Ask Jeff, what does he think about Gase possibly being added to the Pats coaching staff after the Jets fire him? What do you think about that?" First of all, I love C.J. I had a great time on his show when he invited me on uh, at the beginning of the season. I think C.J. is a gentleman and a scholar. And now I would like to say to you, C.J., fuck off. I don't want your Adam Gase. I don't want your Adam Gase. You, you can keep crazy eyes on your sideline as much as you want. That is the a Jets thing to do. Keep them away from my football team. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're going to get into some basketball conversation. And yesterday... The New York Knicks shocked the world, the NBA world, and not only beat the Milwaukee Bucks, they pulverized the Milwaukee Bucks. Tom Thibodeau's defense, and they did get it wrong. They said that I, I saw the Knicks record. They said they, the Knicks are two and two. No, they're one and two. So, what did you? What were your thoughts? What have your thoughts been with Tom Thibodeau's defense and and pushing some of these young players to play defense with the New York Knicks? It's the New York Knicks. I wasn't paying attention. 
I, I understand you're not paying attention, but you have to pay attention to what they've been doing the last couple of games. There was not even the game that they lost where they got pulverized against the uh, the 76ers. They were in that game practically the whole game all the way to the end of the third quarter, and they practically gave up. It's the beginning of the season with a group of young players and a new coach. I'm not going to make a judgment, good or bad. I don't care, good or bad. You can like some of the things that you're seeing, but, uh, you know, it's so early to tell where this team could be going after, what are they, four games into the season? Yeah, but well, what are your what are your thoughts with Emmanuel Quigley? I mean, he looks like a steal. Where they drafted him at twenty three, they moved up to get him, and he's been, he's been playing. He's been playing well. He's been playing very well, and you can't take that away from him. But for me, the guy I like on that squad that I want to see take the next step forward is Mitchell Robinson. Give me some Mitchell Robinson. How about R.J. Barrett? How about what R.J. has been doing? I don't. I don't say. I, I wouldn't say that R.J. has looked good in the last two games. The first game, he averaged twenty six points, twenty points in the first half, six points in the second half. That had a lot to do with Emmanuel Quigley. I think when Emmanuel Quigley comes back, I think you're going to see even a better R.J. Barrett because you're going to be able to see. Uh, you're going to see somebody that can actually ball handle up on top of the key. It's something they don't have right now. I don't care who it is. So. Uh, your thoughts right now of what you've seen so far in the first three or four games of the season in the NBA, what has really stood out to you? Not only with the Knicks, the Boston Celtics, I know Kemba Walker's not in the lineup, but they haven't really looked as good as everybody thought they were going to look. What's What has stood, stuck, to, stuck out to you when it, came, when, when it comes to the Clippers, the Western Conference, the Golden State Warriors being as bad as they are? Were you expecting that? What has stood out to you so far early in the NBA season? Well, I mean, there's a ton of questions mixed in there. And, and I guess if we're going to start from the beginning and the Knicks, I like, you know, I'm not a New York fan. Obviously, I'm a Boston guy. But I, I liked watching the Knicks only because I like the young guys. It, it, uh, you know, I like, you know, R.J. Barrett and, and Mitchell Robinson and those guys. I want to see them. Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin is a good player. Obi Toppin is a really good player. Um, you know, the Celtics. It's still, you know, they still look pretty good. They beat Milwaukee. They, you know, uh, but the surprise in the East to me, I watched the Celtics game against Brooklyn, and Brooklyn looks good. Brooklyn looks good. They just lost Spencer Dinwiddie for the season. Torn ACL. That's going to hurt them. That's going to hurt them on the bench. I I don't know if that's really going to matter. They got a squad. They got a squad. Like, Jarrett Allen is backing up. Dude, Jarrett Allen off the bench. Jarrett Allen could start for most teams. Mm. I mean, that's a good squad. That's a good squad. So you're going to sit here and tell me today that you're picking the Nets to come out of the Eastern Conference, yes or no? Oh, I'm not picking anybody as of yet. I'm just telling you, they looked really good. I mean, losing early in the season. Losing Spencer Dinwiddie is a big loss. I don't care what anybody says. This is a guy that averaged 20 points a game last year. He was your point guard coming off the bench. And what happens if Kyrie Irving gets hurt? Who are you going to be starting at the point guard position? Yeah, I mean, I understand as far as depth, it hurts, but they can always pick up a depth piece. They can, you can always trade and find a depth piece. You know, I mean, Kyrie's going to be the, as far as getting when he scored 20 points a game, it's not really going to matter because there's only one basketball and Kyrie and Kevin Durant are going to have it most of the time. So most other guys scoring numbers are going to go down as well. And it's not going to matter. They're going to have two of the best scores in the league and they're going to look really good. I would right now. I'm not going to say they would win. I want to see more, but I would be comfortable right now saying I could see them in the Eastern Conference Finals. 
<laughs> I, here's the reason why I can't stand the Nets. First of all, the stupidity of geography of these two idiots, okay? One thing is this guy, Kyrie Irving, thinks the earth is flat. It's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard an NBA player say, except Steph Curry coming out and saying that we never stood on the moon before in, in, in a lifetime. So that, But this, the, isn't, this isn't a spelling bee. We're not on Jeopardy. Thank God it's not a spelling bee. Because if it was, right, these guys would right. fail. Right, but Kyrie can play basketball. So the fact that he's a flat earther moron is irrelevant. I get that he's dumb. Like, I understand that that's a dumb take. But you've said some dumb things. We don't hold. We all say dumb things. We all say dumb things. I mean, Snug the Cat. I mean, he came on the other day and said something dumb. I haven't heard from him in film for weeks. Uh, I know you both think each other. Well, you're both from Boston. That's why you think each other are geniuses. I mean, there's nothing genius about it. So I'm lost on that. But uh, again, I, I will say this. When you look at the Knicks, what stood, what stood out to me so far with the New York Knicks is they're playing defense. I like what I see. Some of the guys, I, I could see Neil Keenan's going to be gone from this team. He doesn't fit the culture of what Tom Thibodeau is teaching, and he's not going to fit that 10-man roster that he's going to play. I don't like Julius Randle. they got to get rid of him as quick as possible because it's going to ruin the development of Obi Toppin and Mitchell Robinson. I don't like how the ball stops on their hands. I want to see movement of the ball. We've seen the Golden State Warriors when they were a young team, how they moved the ball on the perimeter. They have to play that style of game, open three-pointers. That's what I want to see with the New York Knicks moving forward. Tom Thibodeau has taught and has teached uh, the way you have to play defense, you got to play up, you got to be up on their faces, and you got to force them to shoot shots that they're not going to make. So I love what the Knicks are doing. I don't expect them to win more than 20 games this year. I don't think they're going to be a very good team this year. But I like the young players and the youth. What I see with Boston is they're going to depend a lot on Tatum until Kemba Walker comes back. That's a lot of pressure on a young kid that's only been in the league for four years. I- I'm sorry. That's a lot of pressure for the kid. So uh, there's so much... Then I think we lost Jeff, and we'll get Jeff back on. But there's so much that really stands out to me so far in the NBA season. How about the Clippers? Uh, mm. it, the, the Clippers have looked really, really good. Paul George, uh, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, they look good. They knocked off the L.A. Lakers in the first game of the season. I've been very impressed with them. The Lakers have looked good, but nobody expects the Lakers to be be bad. And I told you guys, Dallas without KP, they're not going to be good. They did win yesterday. I believe Dallas don't have enough depth to win. They don't have enough depth. And if they depend too much on Luka Doncic to do everything, which you saw yesterday, he dominated the perimeter, you're not going to win games. The Greek freak couldn't win the game against the Knicks. The Knicks won by 20 points against the great and powerful Milwaukee Bucks, the defensive-minded team. And deep Milwaukee Bucks too. They're out. Their Knicks bench outplayed the the Bucks bench, which I never would have thought I would ever say. The, to me, when you look at the NBA season, you want to see what stands out to you early in the season. Uh, are the Nets a team to be reckoned with? Yes, they are. Anybody that doesn't think the Nets are going to be wrecking with, uh, you're crazy. You have Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant is even half or even a quarter of what he was, and he gives you 22, 23 points a game, which he's averaging about 25, you're going to win a lot of these games. Kyrie Irving is a bull hog. Uncle Drew, what do you want to call him? Uh, you want to call him a, a racist or whatever what, Whatever you want to call Kyrie Irving. I, I think he's terrible to the press. I think he's a terrible voice to, voice of reason when it comes to New York sports. But the guy is a sensational player. He's fun to watch. Best I guess you could say his voice is a little flat. No, but here's another thing that a lot of people have been – I've been telling everybody why I think Kyrie Irving is better than Steph Curry. 
Who's to, who's going to argue that with me right now? Who's been a better player the last two seasons? Tell me. Who's been a better player the last two seasons? Who's going to be a better player this year? With Steph Curry or Kyrie Irving? Because the answer is, now that Kyrie Irving has another superstar next to him, Kyrie Irving's going to be able to put the numbers up. So you know what that means? He's going to have the numbers. And Kyrie Irving, when he plays with better players and talented players, he's going to put up the numbers. And, and Kyrie Irving is going to be one of the best point guards in the league. Steph Curry, I will say it again, Steph Curry is as good as whatever his team around him is. He is not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. He's a three-point shooter. And I will say it again. If, if I were to choose my all-around talent of a point guard position, if I was to choose between Kyrie Irving and Steph Curry, I'm taking Kyrie Irving. And that's a fact. You're not and, worried about the, the injuries hurting him long-term, though, too? Fine. Because Kevin Durant has played with both of them. Kevin Durant has played with both of them. And I will bet you when Kevin Durant is done, he will tell you that Kyrie Irving was more of a talent than Steph Curry. Hmm. And that's a fact. Okay. And he's played with both of them. And he's played with Russ, another great point guard, who I think is, the, to me, he's the best all-around point guard in the NBA. So, to me, everybody keeps talking about how great Steph Curry is and everything like that. What has Steph Curry done without Klay Thompson? The answer is, eh, nothing. He's done nothing. He's won nothing, and he's going to go nowhere with that goal. You watch, the Golden State Warriors will get another high pick this year. Like oh, they need it. Like they need it. That's a scary thought. Just think about it. I bet you the Knicks have just as many wins as the Golden State Warriors. And the Golden yeah. State Warriors have more talent. What does that tell you about the great Steph Curry, who some people say is one of the top five point guards in NBA history? What a joke. What a joke. <laughs> the great and powerful Steph Curry. What's their record right now? 0-3? Yeah. Give me a break. Give me a break. A healthy Steph Curry still can't win the games. And you want to compare him to Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Are you kidding me? You put LeBron James on that Golden State Warriors team right now, that 3-0 right now. 3-0, easy. Easy. It's ridiculous. This guy has been blown out of proportion by NBA fans for years. A.K. Vinny Rubo. A.K. Matt, <laughs> Matt Paps. All this garbage that these guys have said on our network. Blech. I want to throw up. It's a joke. Didn't Tyler say at one point, too, that like he was the biggest like offensive threat the league's ever seen, too? <laughs> Tyler's another one. I mean, half these guys, you know, they, they, they have their heads so far up their asses, they don't even know where their head is, okay? I, I just, to me, when I've watched enough basketball year in and year out, and everybody keeps telling me how great Steph Curry is, Steph Curry can't win by himself. He's got stars around him. Wiseman's going to be a star. Andrew Wiggins is a star. You can't tell me he's not a star. He averages 18, 19 points a game. He's a good two-way player. And then you have Draymond Green. He's not a star. He's been on how many All-Star games? You can't win with that team. Well, who are you going to win with? You put LeBron James on that team right now, they're 3-0. They win 60 games, 65 games. And everybody says that Steph Curry's better than LeBron James. What a joke. What a joke. It's a joke. All you fans out there, you basketball fans that think you know what you're talking about, you don't know crap. Steph Curry is Steph Curry. He's a three-point shooter. He's a Ray Allen. He's a Reggie Miller. That's what he is, and that's what he'll always be known as. A point guard, a facilitator, is not what he is, nor will he ever be that. 
the NBA, what I've seen so far is what you're seeing. You see some young talent. I, I like what I see. Obi Toppin did look good his first game. Nine points. Now he has a calf problem. He might be out for three, four weeks, which is bad for the Knicks. It's bad for his development. Obi Toppin's going to be a fun player to watch. Yeah, He's going to be really fun. Emmanuel quickly has shown you that he's going to be a fun facilitator at the point guard position. Could be the future point guard for the New York Knicks moving forward. R.J. Barrett, when Quigley comes back, you're going to see the development of what R.J. Barrett could do because he doesn't have to play the point. He doesn't have to move the ball up, up and down the court, which we've seen enough of. I don't want to see R.J. Barrett as a point guard. Mm -hmm. And I think it's helped his development in other areas too. You're seeing Barrett play a very well-rounded game. And it's not like he's getting like no attention all the time either from defenses. You're talking about the Pacers who have a good defense. Milwaukee who has a very good defense and Barrett's getting attention. He's still playing well. He's rebounding. He's driving the hoop. He's had the most well-rounded performance of, a, of even comparison to superstars that we've seen on any team so far in the NBA. He's been right up there with sort of some of the best players in the very small sample size of the season. And I will say this Cleveland dash says Steph Curry is a top 10, top 20 player. Absolutely. Yes. I'm not going to say that Steph Curry isn't a top 20 player. He's not a top 10 player. Not right now. Not right now. You want to say he's a top 20 player of all time? Yeah. I, I, you could put him at 20, 21 if you want to say he's the best three-point shooter of all time. I wouldn't even put him there. I wouldn't even put – I put Steph Curry yeah, 30. I put 30, 35, somewhere between that. That's where I think Steph Curry is. You're talking about the greatest basketball players of all time. Some of the players you've never seen. Has anybody seen Jerry West play or Oscar Robertson or even Bill Russell or Will Chamberlain or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? I mean, there's no way Steph Curry is brought into that conversation. He's not even close. He's not even close. Even Kobe Bryant, I'd take over Steph Curry. I would hope so. I mean, seriously. Kobe Bryant, I, I, I say he's a top 20 player of all time. Kobe Bryant's 16, 15. That's where I say he is. Yeah, we know. That's where I say he is because there were so many great players before Kobe Bryant. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Oscar Robertson, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, Tim Duncan. You're talking about the greatest of their position. Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley. I mean, I could keep naming them and naming them and naming them and naming them in the 90s and how great the 90s teams were. So, again, to say and sit here today and argue the points that Steph Curry is one of the top five, top ten point guards of all time is a joke. It's an absolute joke. So, what have I seen with the NBA? Uh, oh, hold on one sec. Did anybody actually say that? Uh, uh, as far as Curry is concerned? Yes. Yeah. Yes. People have said that they would take – they have. They will take Curry over LeBron James. Curry will give a team a better chance to win than LeBron James. I've heard it. Yes, I've seen people say that they would take Steph Curry as the second or third best point guard of all time, which is nuts. It's crazy. Now, does people think I'm crazy that I'm saying I'm taking Kyrie Irving over Steph Curry? If you think I'm crazy, go look at the numbers. They're very comparable. What is what is Steph Curry average more than than Kyrie Irving? He averages one more assist a game. What one? I think uh, they average almost the same amount of points. Rebounds. I think they average almost the same amount. Steals. They average almost the same amount. Yeah. There's not. There's nothing different about them. Just the championships. And that's because Steph Curry's played on better teams. He played with Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Do you want me to keep naming them? Who did Kyrie Irving play besides LeBron James the two years that he played in Kevin Love? <laughs> he played with nobody. 
He played with a bunch of youngsters with the Celtics, the Tatums. They were a young team. They weren't Players superstars. Played without him for the most part. Too. Yeah, but he, he never played with superstars with the Celtics. No. You know, so he went to the Nets in the first year. He didn't play with any super. Now he's playing with Kevin Durant. Watch how good Kyrie Irving is this year with a superstar right next to him. He's going to be exceptional. You know why he's going to be exceptional? Because he's going to play with a guy that's better than him. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with Steph Curry. I will tell you again, as good as Steph Curry is, he wasn't the best player on that team. Kevin Durant was way better. They are not going to win another championship. Not with that team. Even when Klay Thompson comes back, they're not going to win. They won their one championship without Kevin Durant. And that was the year that really LeBron James had a crappy Cleveland Cleveland, uh, Cleveland team. They were yeah. crappy. Mm-hmm. They were crappy. And they weren't healthy. Kevin, I remember Kevin Love wasn't healthy in the finals. And either was Kyrie Irving. Even when Kevin Love was healthy, he didn't play well either. So it was really all LeBron at that point. And and Allen, and then I, I listened to uh, all these Steph Curry's are trying to compare Steph Curry to Allen, Allen Iverson. Are they they're on drugs? Oh my gosh, really? Are they on drugs? <laughs> Allen Iverson is one of the best ball handlers of all time. Ask Allen Roberts, ask Allen Iverson right now who's the greatest ball handler he's ever seen. You know what he's gonna tell you? Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. He's gonna tell you Kyrie Irving. Because he's they've asked him in an interview. Who is the greatest point? Who is the greatest ball handler that you've seen besides yourself? He said Kyrie Irving is light years better than him. Kyrie Irving, light years better than Allen Iverson. Now, Kyrie Irving is not better than Allen Iverson, not even close. But ball handling skills, the ability to do the things that he could do in penetration, I'm going with Kyrie Irving over Steph Curry. Sorry. And Kyrie Irving is a better playoff player than. Steph Curry. That is true. I, it's weird as it sounds. He has been, even though, he, again, LeBron has really been the focal point with the Cavaliers team. Steph Curry, for a lot of a lot of people don't realize that he's been kind of streaky in the playoffs. Now, that's a lot of the Warriors, too. Klay Thompson was like that as well. He had his very cold games. It was The best player was Durant, really, in the, the whole playoff stretch. And Draymond Green, when he actually had his head on straight, <laughs> was very good as well. Well, Steph what Curry has been... What is it? You head on straight. I mean, going on Snapchat and showing your uh, pictures of your your private parts is that is that your head on straight? That that and not uh, kicking other players in their private parts. Oh, well, you can ask LeBron James how he felt with that, or uh, whoever else he kicks. Steve Adams, yeah, yeah whoever, uh, whoever he kicks. I mean, or step on LeBron James as you know what. Uh, you know, I, uh, to me, what I've seen right now, and they compare and contrast what the Golden State Warriors are. The Golden State Warriors are one of the highly overrated teams in NBA history. Anybody that thought that when Kevin Durant was on that team, that that Golden State Warrior team would have beaten the 96 Bulls are out of control, out of their minds. Because that that Bulls team with Dennis Rodman at the top in the prime of his career, Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, and all the players that they had, the Tony Kukoc's of the world, and, and the talent that they had on and off that bench, that was the greatest basketball team of our time, one of the greatest teams of our era, probably the greatest team, some people would say, of all time. There is no way. They're Ron Harper. I mean, there is no way that Golden State Warriors team would have stopped Michael Jordan. No yeah. way. And then, let's not forget about the significant, significant coaching advantage, too. 
It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, I listen to some of these NBA fans, these kids. I understand it's a players' league, and you love your players. It's no more team, team fans or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I grow, grew up in an era where you root for a team. I hated Michael Jordan. Hated Michael Jordan. But anybody who's blindsided to not to believe that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player to ever live, and it's not even close, well then, dude, or whoever you are, ladies, gentlemen, whoever, you guys are on drugs. Because Michael Jordan is the greatest athlete to ever play in professional sports. That's how good Michael Jordan was. I don't want to hear about Muhammad Ali or Will Chamberlain or any of the big two, the Wayne Gretzky's of the world or whoever, whatever, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana. The greatest athlete to play professional sports is no other than the great and utter Michael Jordan. It's just terrible. I listen to the garbage that I listen to. By the way, uh, John Sugg says Denver uh, Denver is going to be a problem. They're going to be really dangerous. The talent that they have, uh, the way they built around the draft, Michael Porter Jr., I mean, this is this is a good team. Murray is one of the best point guards in the league, one of the most underrated point guards. You saw what he did in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Phenomenal. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. The way they knocked off the Clippers, it was phenomenal. It really was. Remember- Remember, we interviewed their broadcaster back in April, and he was saying he was not quite the superstar level yet. I think that playoffs really elevated him to that, too. And I think they will get it going. I think it's more, John, you're asking what's their problem right now. I think it's, again, they didn't. They just played. They were in the Western Conference Finals. It's still kind of they're getting their their legs back. I, they're, they're still rusting, load managing, stuff like that. Yeah, and, anybody that thinks that, and I, I see John, he posted something. What's hard, What's going on with them? Just as much as what, what's going on with Milwaukee. Anybody yeah. that thinks that the Nuggets aren't going to figure things out, then you don't know basketball. I'm not saying, John, you don't know basketball, but this team will figure it out. This is a very talented team. If anybody doesn't remember, Portland started the season really bad last year. Mm-hmm. Really, really bad last year. I think the first 15 games, I think they won like three or four games. Yeah, they, they were the third in, worst team in the East or the West. Yeah, and then look what they did in the second half of the season. I mean, they were a playoff team. So this is too talented of a team with the Joker, Murray. They're going to figure things out. They're going to figure things out. I absolutely believe it. And and, and, and to me, the top heavy Western Conference, it's still going to lie. And and by, by the way, the Rockets are going to be very dangerous too because John Wall looks really, really good. I, I don't know if anybody hasn't watched John Wall play. I, I don't think he's Russell, Wilson, uh, Russell Westbrook good, but John Wall is right. He's the under tier of what Russell Westbrook is. And – you put him with with, uh, with with the talent that they have right now, and you put Hard. Hard why would Harden want to leave? Well, he, even if he goes to the Nets, okay? Let's say he gets traded to the Nets. You're going to have to trade. First of all, Dinwiddie had to be a part of that trade. So what are you going to do? You're going to have to give up a significant more, more first-round draft picks for that. So you're going to have to get rid of Allen, Karis LeVert. You, you didn't draft the first-round draft pick this year. You traded out of it. Mm-hmm. So where are you going? Where Who are you going to trade? And they already, said, they already said the only way they're going to trade Harden to the Nets is if you trade Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving for him. Mm-hmm. Now, now oh. Harden's also said the Celtics and the Blazers as, as possible options he would want to go to, too. Now, the Celtics have certainly some depth that they can trade, but it's they've had some issues developing some of their recent draft picks. The Blazers are an interesting fit. Now, would they want to trade him in conference is another question, but... I mean, I don't need another shooter. Why do they? Yeah, why do the Blazers need another right. shooter? I don't. I don't know if they would necessarily sell big that much when it comes to they because they don't need the backcourt player. They need forwards. They could use some just some depth in general, and maybe again that maybe that star all star type big man. 
to really help them to help out Lillard and McCollum, unless McCollum being included in the trade, but I can't imagine them breaking up that type of chemistry either. And then baseball today, Blake Snell gets traded uh, from Tampa to the Padres. Does this make the Padres a world series competitive team? And I, I think, yes, I think the Padres are dangerous. Mm-hmm. They're very dangerous. They made the playoffs for the first time. And how long, and everybody, really, if you remember when they were good, it was in the late 90s, 98 with Cam Caminiti. I mean, that was when the team was good, and they obviously got swept by the Yankees in the World Series. But uh, they haven't been good since, really, uh, Tony Gwynn. I mean, they have not been good. And now you now you build around Manny Machado. Now you add one of the best pitchers in baseball on Blake Snell. They give up a lot for Blake Snell. Yeah, they did. And, and, and two of these pitchers that they got in that trade is going to – you watch, they're going to be superstars. I love Mejia, too, the catcher prospect they traded. So I, yeah, but he's been traded a couple of times. Cleveland traded him. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's been traded all over the place. But mm-hmm. Tampa needs a catcher. And, and I will say this. Uh, does this make the Padres a contender? Absolutely does. Does this make Tampa a contender? It's make Tampa worse because Tampa, it's going to take a while for these guys to develop. And being that you're in the American league East with the Boston Red Sox, who's still rebuilding and the Yankees, the Yankees are the powerhouse and the blue Jays are only going to get better too, with the talent that they have with Guerrero and, and some of the, uh, the old um, sun lovers over there, uh, the Bijios and, and that, yeah. I mean, they're all the ex superstar sons. So uh, the Blue Jays have a bunch of them. So uh, to me, when you're looking at baseball and, and the Mets, listen, the Mets are going to get George Springer. I'm telling you right now, one way or another, the Mets will have George Springer. You know why? Because Uncle Stevie won't let him go anywhere else. They need a center fielder. It's been their weakness. Uh, for the last, I don't know, 20 years, they have not had a very since Beltran, and that's that's got to be about 12, 13 years. Right. All right. Uh, they haven't had a good center fielder. They've been lacking that defense in the center field. They have an opportunity to get one of the best, or if not the best, center fielder in baseball, best power center fielder in baseball, and George Springer. They're not going to lose out on him. They're going to land him now. Now, do I think they're going to make a move for a Bauer or somebody like that? I think they have a better chance of going after the Japanese pitcher. That everybody keeps talking about the Kim or whoever it is, or, or yeah, or whoever, whoever that, that Japanese pitcher that everybody keeps talking about. Yeah, I know one got signed with the Rangers. I forget the other guy's name. One signed with the Rangers, I think, on Saturday already. Uh, there's two options. I think it's the lesser of the two options from statistically what we saw last year. But again, pitching depth is pitching depth, and again, he's young. I think he's 24 or something like mm-hmm. that. He's a young kid, so I would not mind that at all. And the international prospects haven't been as pricey as they originally were when they first came out in terms of like comparing the, actual- are you surprised that the Yankees didn't make a move for an international player? When everybody said, look at how much international money the Yankees have. They have the most in baseball, the most in baseball, right? And so, you know, and they have not even budged to make that move for maybe one of these young Japanese pitchers. I'm very surprised about that. Maybe because of the Masahiro Tanaka thing. I have no idea, but uh, they lost out on Otani. But I, I know a lot of people haven't heard anything about the Yankees. I, I, I think you're going to hear less and less more about the Yankees. They're going to do everything they can to bring in DJ LeMayo. If he falls, if they fall short to bring in DJ LeMayo, believe me, their second guy they're going to go after is Didi Gregorius. They're going to bring him back. It's left-handed power in Yankee Stadium. He fits with the Yankees. He's been successful with the Yankees. The Yankees should have never gotten rid of Didi Gregorius. But uh, knowing that they had DJ LeMayo and the way Glaber Torres has developed, I think Glaber fits better at the second second base position. And you move Didi back over there. And if you do bring back uh, DJ LeMayo, you move DJ to th- either first or third. 
because mm-hmm. he could play all the positions and you could solidify your infield for the better. I, I just I, I can't see DJ LeMayo going anywhere else. I do think he wants that fifth year option. I think the Yankees are going to have to bite on it. Um, but um, the Yankees need pitching. They they do. And and Masahiro Tanaka or James Paxton, you got to pick one or the other. If you want James Paxton, you bring James Paxton back. If you want Masahiro Tanaka, you bring Masahiro Tanaka back. You got to bring one or the other. You have to bring in a second starter, a veteran second starter. You can't depend on your young pitching like Montgomery or Garcia. These guys, you're putting a lot of pressure on them with Garrett Cole, and then you're expecting a lot from Garrett Cole where he's just one pitcher who's making $226 million. Yeah, it's an interesting dilemma for the Yankees because the Yankees have two pitchers that are – obviously with a lot of question marks with injuries. Paxton's a lefty, which is obviously obviously much harder to find than finding a righty. And Tanaka, we've seen them have playoff success, and we still know that they're going to be a win-now team. I know he was bad last year in the playoffs, but he's notoriously good. And like I said, I think that kind of shortened season really messed up a rhythm of a Japanese pitcher, which, again, it's a tougher transition to the major leagues. And um, I think that's a tough choice for them. Quantity is going to be key for them regardless. And again, maybe they are in on these international guys. Uh, John Suggs just commented, Tamayuki Sugano is the other Japanese pitcher. Right. And maybe they do go after that kind of type, or maybe they just uh, build up depth and to help out with the injuries, the potential with the injuries, like they've always had the last couple of years, they have young pitchers coming back like Montgomery and you, I know you love Garcia and that's going to be him. a big step. Yeah. That's going to be a big step he could take to maybe get, be that number three guy. But yeah, I think one or the other definitely makes sense for the Yankees and maybe just get some quantity of it. Maybe some new faces do help. And I, I see that uh, Cleveland says, get rid of Stan. You cannot get rid of Stan. First of all, he bought in. And Stan was the one of the, if not the best player for the Yankees when it came to the playoffs last year. Yes. Stan is, is going to be a big part of the Yankees moving forward because I don't know if the Yankees are going to bring back uh, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is an injury-prone player. And he is going to want at least $200 million in the next two years. He's going to be 30, 31 years old. The guy can't stay on the field. He's a sensational player. Will you will, will the Yankees be willing to give him $200 million when the guy can't stay on the field? He has not played a full season since his rookie season. It's been horrible. You cannot pay a guy $200 million. Say whatever you want about John, John Carlos Stan. John Carlos Stan's going to have 500 home runs in the next year. He's gonna, This guy is a Hall of Famer. This guy is still a young player. He's 31, 30 years old. He's still young. He still has another good five years left. He's going to hit 600 home runs. You can't give up on John Carlos Stanton. I know Yankee fans don't like him, but why don't you like him? Because Aaron Judge, I got news for you. Who's a better player? Who would I take over from Aaron Judge to John Carlos Stanton? I'm sorry. I'm taking John Carlos Stanton. Yeah, and I think the playoffs really have to make a difference, though, too, in terms of keeping him. I mean, you gave him the option now, and that's going to be a hard contract to trade as it is. And what quality pitching are you going to get with that type of massive, massive contract? Not to mention, we say it all the time, there's limited teams he's going to go to. Obviously, the Dodgers being the biggest one if they wanted him, but they're cash-strapped as it is. They were over the luxury tax, and they just signed Mookie Betts to a massive contract, so they're out on it now. I think the other one was the Cubs, but... They're having some contracts issues, and yeah, they're, they're going to try. They're trying to trade Chris Bryant, right? And Theo Epstein's not there anymore, so I don't think it's, that's going to be as enticing as it used to be. Stanton was very specific on where he wanted to go initially, and I don't think that's changing now. And I think he likes the Yankees enough where that's going to happen. He's so, what quality pitching are you going to get with that? That's not better than even somebody like Paxton, who had an up and down Yankee start to his career. He's got a no trade clause too. What are you going to do with that? You know, so he's not, he has to make the decision if he doesn't want to be a Yankee anymore. He just opted in in the contract. He's got five, six years left on that contract. He's going nowhere. 
He's going nowhere. And the Yankees are going to have to decide, are you going to keep Glaber Torres or are you going to keep Aaron Judge? And as good as Aaron Judge has looked in the playoffs, last year he didn't look good, and Aaron Judge can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy as much as all Yankee fans love Aaron Judge. The guy can't stay healthy. And very conflicting, too, with John Carlos Stanton. Oh, Yankee fans hate him because he can't stay healthy. Yeah, and Aaron Judge is getting that same kind of notion. He's the same kind of player that uh, that Stanton is. And Stanton, I guess, he's recently. Achieved more. He's achieved player. more. Aaron Judge never won an MVP. should have, but he never won an MVP. John oh, yeah, Carlos Stanton for the Marlins. He won an MVP. John yeah. Carlos Stanton's going to hit 500 home runs at the age of 32. Aaron Judge is not even going to come close to that. I mean, who's the better player? Let's be honest here. It's John Carlos Stanton. He's not the better defensive player. The better all-around player is Aaron Judge. But the problem with Aaron Judge is he can't stay on the field. That's the problem. And the Yankees aren't going to pay him $200 million. As good as he is, they're not going to do it. Who would you rather want? You want a guy that's going to hit 40-40 like Labor Torres? Or you want Aaron Judge who can hit 30-35 home runs, but the guy can't stay on more than 100 games a season? You're going to go with Glaber Torres. And they're not going to be able to pay all these guys. It's just not going to work. Yeah. And I think also with Glaber, too, even though he had a down regular season, he was after Stanton, their next best playoff player. Also, infielders in general are, have been harder to find, too, than corner outfielders. Corner outfielders are as expendable as they come at this point. So I don't think the Yankees are going to lack in terms of what they could possibly not necessarily replace the production with, but make the production where it's not lost badly to somebody of what judge would produce when he's healthy. It should me as a Yankee fan. I am not excited for the season. even though Vegas picks the Yankees to win the world series and they're going to be one of the top teams in the American league, even with the pitching woes that you're seeing right now, they'll figure it out. I, I, I trust in, in Cashman and what Cashman does. Cashman will figure things out. He's always done it. He'll do it. This is the best GM in baseball. and Nobody's going to argue that. Brian Cashman has been the best. Now, the Yankees haven't won a, a World Series in 11 years. And you say whatever you want. This is the longest drought the Yankees have ever had for not winning a World Series. So the Yankees need to win one, and they need to win one soon. Because uh, the longer they wait, I mean, Aaron Boone needs to win this year. If Aaron Boone doesn't win this year, he's going to be gone. As much as I like Aaron, He's going to be gone. The Yankees are not going to keep him. You need to win. When you when you have a team this talented, the money that you have invested into it, you got to win. And right now, unfortunately, the Yankees are uh, climbing, uh, but falling uh, falling off the ladder. So uh, the Mets are looking like they're climbing. And they're growing because they have the owner that's going to spend the money. Uh, Robinson Cano was the best thing that ever happened to the uh, the Mets uh, mm -hmm. being out for the season. I think the Mets are set up very, very well. And by the way, uh, John Suggs said Charlie Morton, I think uh, the Braves are going to have a, a very good rotation. They've had a good rotation. Yeah. Now you add Charlie Morton, they're, they're, their playoff rotation is going to be scary. Charlie Morton's one of the best playoff pitchers right now in baseball. Yeah, especially if, if Soroka comes back strong after the injury. Now, it might be hard. It's a torn ACL. You don't know how that's going to affect his, his legs. But if he comes back strong, you saw what Free did last year. He was a Cy Young candidate. Yeah, they absolutely have a great rotation. And their bullpen got a lot better last year, too. They just, again, just had trouble in the playoffs against the best team in baseball. Well, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we will be back Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time below the mic. Uh, as you guys know, we all have a great show lined up for you guys. We're very excited about the new year. Our app, guys, if you don't have our app, uh, we're going to have some new guests. We have some great, great news for all the fans. Stay tuned. Um, very, very soon I'm going to announce something unbelievable. 
for uh, the network and, and, and exciting. I'm very excited for this. I think everybody's going to be excited because this is, this is a big, big, huge deal. Uh, when it happens, I am going to announce it, and you guys are going to be very excited. So um, it, it just, it's great. Uh, shout out to Belly Up Sports, our, our tag team partner on our growth of our network. Uh, I, I, Mike Brown and Blaine and, and all the guys over there, Dan and, and the team over there at Belly Up uh, for helping us build this. And, and we have big things moving forward with uh, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network in the new year. COVID-19, let's destroy this. Let's move forward as a, as a country, as one. I, I want our country to be the strongest country in the world. And what's going on in the country has just been absolutely false and terrible. And hopefully uh, that will change moving forward. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm excited for the new year. I'm, I can't wait until 2020. Uh, Christmas. Merry Christmas to all. Happy New Year. Uh, again, we will see you guys on Wednesday. Until then, Speedy, you have anything to say before we go? I hope everyone had a great and safe holiday season. Uh, Merry Christmas to all. Happy Hanukkah if you celebrated Hanukkah. And uh, enjoy your New Year's if you're doing anything for New Year's. And hopefully, yeah, like you were saying, 2000. We're going to see you on Wednesday. You can say that on Wednesday. Of course. But uh, just, again, wish, hopefully everyone had a great holiday year for sure. And uh, stay safe. Well, I'd like to thank all the fans that listen to us and support what we do here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. All our new shows, all the great shows that we have uh, lined up. Uh, throughout the country, uh, just everybody, everybody, all the support that we've gotten uh, over the, the last couple of months and uh, really last couple of years. I really appreciate everybody. And we do this for you. And I, I want you fans to understand something, everything that we do and, and, and how we grow is it's all because of you guys. You guys have been a big part of our growth as a network. And, and I really love all the people that support what we do here at the worldwide sports radio network. Um, I, I want to give a shout out to our PN, PNW. Uh, he had to take a step down. Um, our, our show, our late night show on Monday, he, you know, with his new job and everything like that, he had to step down from the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Um, I want to thank um, the PNW show for being a part of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, maybe in the future, uh, he'd be back uh, with us, but uh, he's been very, very busy over there in uh, uh, Gonzagaville over there in Washington. So, uh, I wish them nothing but the luck, uh, their luck, and, and everything that they're doing moving forward uh, with their show. Absolutely. Uh, um, that's it. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with all their shows lined up. We have a great uh, – what do we have tomorrow? What do we, we have Falco's Facts tomorrow from 2 to 4 p.m. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it tomorrow, Tuesday. Tomorrow. Wednesday's our big day. But yes. we're going to have some new shows lined up. Uh, we have uh, – uh, Jared from the Belly Up Short, uh, Belly Up Sports uh, Network, uh, that's going to be working on bringing some top talent to our network. So we're very excited about that. So stay tuned. If you're a big sports fan, stay tuned with all our shows. We really appreciate everything that you guys do. Uh, until Wednesday, this is Errol Marks and Speedy PD saying good night, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.